Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season three, episode ten. It's the season finale, titled Lantern. Uh, what do you think of this episode? I'm gonna turn the tables on you. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I was blown away by it, and I don't know why necessarily because I should have seen this coming. Um, I was blown away specifically by the final scene. Uh, I, I should have seen it coming. Breaking Bad is not a show that shies away from killing people. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't happened in Better Call Saul yet to this degree. Um, so I was really surprised when they had the final scene be Chuck's suicide. Yeah. It, it blew me away. I was not expecting it. Um, Are you convinced that he's dead? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I will feel if Chuck comes back in the present present timeline, if Mm -hmm. it's not a flashback or something, betrayed. Much like I felt betrayed in a show that has recently pulled that same trick on me, Uh um, and brought the character back. So, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. I guess shame on me again because. Uh, George Bushing it, eh? Yeah, I'm totally George Bushing it up. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. I feel like the door is open, um, but because of everything that they have have told us and yeah. the language of cinema and the look on Chuck's face and the fact that he's at the proximal location of the start of the fire and the fact that he's turned this house into a complete fire hazard yeah like all the things that go into modern home construction to retard fire he is largely well he is actually poked holes in Mm -hmm. um and i would feel like that him living would be a giant cheat yeah totally um and i i agree with your thoughts in the episode with i mean it's being blown away by the end and i feel like this has been a strong last three or four episodes of what i think is a bit of a frustrating season as a whole Hmm. um i feel like there's a little bit of foot dragging a little bit of aimlessness and then curiously a little bit of rushing of the plot like Jimmy flipping like yesterday last episode was the fall was fall was the fall of Jimmy McGill and yet mm-hmm. we see Jimmy McGill clawing back from the depths of Saldom uh by the end of this episode uh which I that was very confusing to me because I feel like that's the third time I've watched this in this 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 particular series um the fact yeah. that they revealed that Kim was in on the old lady scam mm-hmm uh, does not make any sense in in reference to what I know about her character, especially in light of her giving a speech about wanting to be Atticus Finch. Like I, there there is some stuff that they have played really fast and loose with in this development, and 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 feels uncharacteristically haphazard, um, and ultimately unsatisfying. Uh, the stuff with Nacho I thought worked beautifully, and hmm. that that was a very efficient and great arc. Um, I think the stuff with Gus has worked. Uh, I think the stuff with Mike has mostly worked. There's a little bit of foot dragging, but unfortunately, the core thing with Jimmy, I don't, I don't. I wonder if they're having trouble, you know, strangling their own child here. That they, the, the, this foot dragging about Jimmy going to Saul is because they've kind of realized there aren't that many interesting ways to tell a story with Saul, especially with as much time they've spent with Jimmy. And you can see. I don't know if you've read any of the the interviews with Gould where they're talking about um, it sounds like they're sure they're going to get one more season, but not sure if they want or need more than one and certainly more than two. And, and I wonder if some of this ambivalence is, 
you know, we're just not sure where to go from here, and we know where we want to get to, but we're not sure how long that'll take and how much we want to spend time with Saul. I don't know. I'm, I don't want to cause everyone alarm, get everyone all pissed off, but I do think that this is not a uh, super out of the mainstream opinion amongst breaking, or I'm sorry, Better Call Saul fans. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that, and at times it has felt that way to me. Um, I want to make comparisons to other shows, but they're still on the air, and they're recent, and I can't <laughs> right. do it. Um, let me throw out an alternate theory, though, is that they are simply playing this as Jimmy's personality. Because Chuck, in this episode, calls him out on essentially being the guy who likes to break things and then fix things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he repeats that cycle over and over again. And we can kind of see that in jimmy's track record in this show right yeah sure i mean he he does claw his way back from being like ultimately saul yeah um time and time again but we know eventually his fate i feel like they might be writing to that yeah i think (laughs) that they're belaboring the point a little bit with that um like like it feels like maybe and it's not a lot of fat but maybe a half season of fat at this point has accumulated on on the uh the bones I also think a lot of what Chuck says about Jimmy applies to Chuck himself. Sure, yeah. He just has a different way of punishing himself. I mean, I feel like Jimmy's apologies and expressing remorse and feeling bad are his way to atone for things he knows he's done that's bad. And I think, you know, Chuck punishes himself with this electronic illness thing. Right, yep. Um, And there's a lot of things I like about this season. Like, I really love the Telltale Heart uh, mechanism that they've established that the metronomes and the clocks uh, beat uh, the clocks cl- uh, clicking and the drops dripping and then you know Chuck's rhythmic uh, foot stamping to ultimately knock the lantern was a great payoff on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that. It's just there's there's a couple things that just feel like there's a couple screws loose uh, to a ship that's usually been so tight. Uh, yeah, I, I do see. You know, holes in the wall, holes yeah. in the wall of plot every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, there's one in this episode which I thought was pretty ridiculous, but we'll get there. It seems like there's a few things that keep Jimmy from just becoming Saul, and that is the fact that he admires his brother and he craves his respect. The fact that he loves Kim and he wants to, uh, he wants her to respect him as as well, not just as like you know, oh that scoundrel, but as a as a good person. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's also had this career that he's dis- um, established uh, taking care of elderly people that he find he found rewarding. And um, there's not a whole lot of legs left on that three-legged stool that's keeping him from, from – like even though he has kind of, you know, very minor case redeemed himself. And I thought it's interesting because you said like anyone that was excusing Jimmy last week was a sociopath. Uh, a lot of Better Cast Saul listeners, so sociopaths apparently. Yeah, uh, you should go into diagnosis, or you should go All into right. the, 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 some kind of practice to help them out. Be their Doctor Cruz. Yeah, um, a lot more people want to just like all is forgiven now that Jimmy has 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 fixed this thing with uh-huh. another giant scam. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I I don't I don't know about that. Right, because I I ultimately think Chuck is right about yeah. Jimmy. Like, I, I think they're right about each other, you know? it's. I mean, and that's a tragedy, they're right? Both, they're both far enough away from each other's problems to see them, whereas yes. they're both so close to their own that they can't. So, yes. like, I, I fully believe that, that Jimmy is the kind of guy who breaks things just so he can fix them sometimes. And then my only thing is I still don't know. Like, I feel a lot more sure that the ultimate first sin 
was a misunderstanding between Chuck and Jimmy over the the their the way they view their parents' business. Hmm. Okay. And that Chuck got the wrong idea and that Jimmy got the wrong idea from watching his dad be a pushover and they took very different paths in life and held those resentments and those preconceptions into adulthood and they're they're tra- they're locked in this this Greek tragedy. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. And, and it's interesting as, as a, as a, as a, as a hashtag fuck Chuck guy, um, I felt like this episode really tested me because they gave me a lot of raw red meat for the fuck Chuck, uh, wagon, but then it's hard when you're watching him destroy his life in his house and be completely powerless before this problem that he has. It's hard not to feel sorry for and, and pity for a person who's sick. Yeah. How do you say this themselves. is what you deserve in yeah. that scenario, you know? Yeah. It's like, I kind of like, um, you've seen Gattaca, right? A long time ago. But did you know, like, like Jude Law is such a shit in that movie and such mm. a self-pitying bastard, but still when he crawls into the incinerator tube... To give his genetically inferior brother a shot at happiness. It's hard not to feel for, you know, like, okay. And I felt like it's that without the redemption arc. Like, I just saw him crawl into the incinerator tube and take all of his DNA with him. Uh, You can't have any of the DNA, Jimmy. You're always going to be a runt. (laughs) Um, But, so, yeah, I guess at the end, still, like, I'm a toasty. Hashtag fuck Chuck. Uh-huh. But it is tragic. It is tragic. It is, yeah, certainly. And and hats off to Michael McKean for <sighs> Yeah. I mean, I've I've said it a lot. There's a difference between hating a character because the character is hopeless and it's terribly written and it's shittily performed and 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 really playing a character like a violin to get that hatred out of people. And mm-hmm. hats off because this is one of the more memorable, sympathetic villains I can think of in, in recent memory. And just, you know, even, I mean, God damn, like the stuff with him and Howard was just so excellent in this episode. But, yeah, yeah like I said, I ultimately I love this episode, and I really like this last three-episode arc, but there's a couple things off, and I feel like this season's the weakest of the three seasons of Better Call Saul so far because – yeah, you might be right about that. Strong finish, but ultimately I don't feel like it built as much as the previous seasons did. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the thing. Jimmy's better at tearing shit down than building stuff up. It's true. Including his own television show. Yeah. Yeah, including uh, these old ladies. Take a break before we get plunged into our uh, scene-by-scene recap of the episode uh, to talk about a couple things here at Bald Move. Number one, again, it would really help us out if you would complete our survey. It uh, is anonymous. It just takes a few minutes of your time. Um, it just asks some anonymous demographics data and some questions about how we're doing and how we are succeeding in our mission to delight you here at Bald Move. Uh, bcs.baldmove.com, or you can check out the show notes uh, if you can't remember the link and link at it from there. Uh, also, just let you know some stuff going on in Bald Move last week and this week. Uh, we had a really interesting commission podcast about uh, Scorsese's Shutter Island starring Leonardo DiCaprio which uh, Jim tried to make, uh, is going to later, I think, in the episode, make some allusions to. But I want to check that out. Uh, Cecily and I recorded a American Gods and House of Cards update podcast, and we closed out Handmaid's Tales first season. Uh, that's on the Bald Move TV feed. We also, for club members, uh, released today Bad Guy Javi, the next installment of the Walking Dead Telltale uh, video game playthrough. Next week, very excited about Baby Driver, um, the new... Uh, Je- what is it? Wright something? Edgar. Jeff- Edgar. Edgar. I want to say Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Also got Don Dra- star- starring Don Draper mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of people that I've drawn a blank on. Jamie Foxx. 
Yep. He's there playing a blind singer uh, against type. John Bernthal, is he in this? John Bernthal's in this. Yeah. Kevin Spacey's in this. <laughs> right. Frank Underwood himself. Lots uh-huh. of people. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then stay tuned to the end of the week, the final. Who won the week? It's Fargo. It's Better Call Saul. They're in a steel cage locked in Minnesota. Who makes it out with their ears intact? We'll see. Uh, that's all we got going on at baldmove.com. Again, don't forget to survey bcs.baldmove.com. Okay, let's get into the recap of this episode. We start off with young Chuck reading a story to Jimmy as they camp in a tent at night. Uh, we find out, I don't know, this is kind of just a nice scene, right? Um, older brother reading to his younger brother. They're clearly out in the backyard just, you know, camping. Also, whoever they got to play yeah. young Chuck is amazing. Yeah. yeah like he's, that. He's that, real good. Like, I, and I'm, I'm almost suspecting that they did some kind of manipulation of, of uh, McKean's actual voice because... I mean, according to the insider, no. No? The kid so that kid did that, yeah. Uh, just, just like studied that that dialogue and, and got because and it, he did it before the audition too. He came in with that. Wow. Because yeah. I was like, well, I guess maybe they actually had Michael McKean read this passage and then like, okay, kid, you've got a week to practice and get this down. But like, that's impressive. Yeah. This guy is a real chameleon because he's kind of got the look, but the and 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 this scene. What's most important is the 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 voice. He's got yeah. the voice down pat. He did. And I'm wondering, um, that actually has me kind of hopeful for uh, flashbacks to come. Because, again, I th- feel like that they have – do you feel like that you're owed an explanation about what this original sin was? What was the thing that caused Cain to want to kill Abel? You know, it, it, we, we've heard Cain say that it's because he – you know, Abel was taking money out of the till. We've heard Abel say, I've only taken, like, weirdo coins for my – I feel like we need to know who's right there to ultimately understand the complete tragedy to uh, of, of what's afflicting the characters. Do you agree or no? Uh, I think I mostly agree. the The trouble I think is going to be pinpointing it to a thing. It's mm-hmm. not just going to be you know here's the switch. But it changed what, everything. What, what Chuck always starts his litany of sins against Jimmy with that. And if that's the first thing, then you can kind of easily see that if he never got that idea that my brother is a thief mm-hmm. and he's stealing from my lawful good parents and ruining them that he might have a very different i mean it, it, it it's a tough road to hoe because the other thing is you could also think that maybe chuck just wasn't as loved and adored and he invented reasons he saw things right. that weren't there and maybe but I, I do feel like i need to know that for sure like i don't know that that can be a something that the fandom just can debate over and over again because it's it's it feels foundational yeah I, I think i agree with you um and you know there's they're not I guess uh, eliminating the idea that Chuck will be back in potentially flashbacks. Yeah. Um, they haven't even said whether or not he's actually dead, but well, I'm on. with you though. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm about I'm be by hashtag fuck Villa Gang. If, yeah. uh, even though I love you for your past, if if they pull that shit, right? Um, and I I I guess I would actually I've been burnt enough by calling bullshit on Vince and and Peter that I would be very arms crossed, lips pursed, eyes narrowed. <laughs> If he's like third degree burns and a burn burn word, but I would not write it off until I, I see what they do with it. Right. Um, I I also like because we began a season with Mabel mm-hmm. and Jimmy and him reminiscing about them being read to this, and Jimmy misremembered that his parents read this to him, and Chuck said, "No, no, it was me." Yeah. Um, do you think Chuck hurling this barb later on the episode that this this the truth is I just don't think that much of you is him trying to. 
uh, wound Jimmy for the wounds Jimmy's given him that he like Jimmy doesn't even remember how much of a foundation uh, Chuck laid for his childhood or totally. how much he was there for him. Yeah, I think it's a straight up lie. Um, Chuck oh, does yeah. care about Jimmy. Um, he's <laughs> he's Stone Cold lying to him just to hurt him. But is it a hurt that that he feels like he's repay? I mean, y- yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I don't know if that's an interesting question. I guess I was trying to get at like why open up with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously there's the lantern, but you've also got the Mabel thing and the fact that Chuck had to have been upset that that Jim, Jimmy didn't remember this this little piece, this little childhood scene. I, I don't know. That, that that's something important. I'm not quite sure maybe it's just something that's supposed to feel emotionally right i did have that question too and i think where i've come to on it is it's there to show that at one time chuck did care for jimmy did you notice that the adventures of mabel way. was right next to the lantern as chuck's kicking it at the end oh is it yeah, like like that had been yeah. fresh in his mind um yeah also the baseball bat is apparently the same one chuck uses to smash the electric box mm, the the right. power meter so right He's held on to a lot of stuff from yeah. his childhood. He's a surprisingly sentimental person for someone who's so ready to set fire to all of the bridges, including the one to his own life. <laughs> including, I guess, the howl? The howl that Jimmy does uh, when he's conning people oh, shit. comes from Chuck, I guess. Oh, shit. Like, he invented right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's an identical howl. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. thought that was pretty awesome. It's the McGill howl. Yeah. You hear that and you know <laughs> you know it's your ass. So we go over to the hospital. Kim's getting her arm put in a cast, and Jimmy shows up to help her out. And he tries to, then he goes over to the crash site to try and collect all the papers. You would think, I mean, this is a man who is experienced in picking up garbage. He he should bring some equipment with him and do yeah. it right. Yeah. He's doing it all wrong. No, nah, he hasn't learned a damn thing. Yeah. He's only good at destroying. Uh-huh. Like, if you, want, if you want him to crash Kim's car, <laughs> he could do that. Yeah. He could do that. But, but putting it back together, not so much. Uh, Kim still seems like she's in shock. She hasn't fully processed everything. So their relationship has been awkward since late last season. A little and, bit, yeah. And boy, did it really show in this episode where, like, and, and, and I think it's it's very expertly done the way they film it to where you can't tell if Jimmy isn't sure where you can touch Kim without hurting her and mm-hmm. whether Kim is showing affection to Jimmy because that's how she feels or... She's trying to go through the motions because she needs – I mean, it. this relationship is just fucking sad at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I it felt feel, like they feels, came together it, a little more toward the end, after the, the relaxathon. Yeah, but – During slash after. I have more thoughts on that. Okay. But I feel like, I feel like a kid watching his parents fight before they divorce. Yeah, it, like, it like, is a I, little awkward. I remember the good times. These are not the good times, and I don't see it going. I'm, I'm talking with my siblings about the fact that, like, I, you know, I think what's going to happen to us. If I, 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 I'm very, very worried and disturbed for, for their relationship. Yeah, I mean, this is what I've been kind of saying all season, right? I never quite know where Kim stands on Jimmy. Well, she's hard to read, too. Yeah, she is. And she... She punishes herself um, and keeps things under pretty tight, uh, uh, pretty tight, tightly bottled up. Oh yeah. Uh, then we go over to Chuck meeting with the HHM partners. He's laying out all their options for how to, you know, make this problem go go away. And then he offers to put it all behind them with a simple handshake. Instead, Howard dismisses everyone else and he gives Chuck a check for three million dollars, which is one of three payments to buy him out of the company. Uh, then he takes him out to the employees who are gathered in the lobby for his farewell announcement. Everyone applauds as he begrudgingly leaves. 
This is a good scene. And Howard is stone cold. And I liked the, I'm assuming, the intentional halo framing. Did you, you you had to notice that when he's sitting at the head of the table. There's this, like, this woodwork that just is, like, um, encircles his head like a, like a <laughs> classic medieval um, style uh, saint halo. Uh-huh. Which I think I, I reinforces the fact that we're supposed to be on Howard's side here. Um, but Chuck is just unprepared for how done Howard is with his bullshit. Like he did not listen to anything. And as, as Howard said, like, yeah, I tried to settle this multiple different ways. And I kept on expecting you to do the right thing by the law firm. And, and he's you, clearly not at this point. No. Yeah. He's, he's like Howard says, he's got these personal vendettas. Yeah. Uh, he's suing the company for, I, just to make his point, essentially, well, like, and and he thinks that he's got the upper hand because he doesn't yeah. he he can't conceive of a way that this firm would be so done with him, yeah. that they would either harm themselves or take a personal loss to do it, and that's how much Howard is just over this. I, I mean, the one thing that I think Howard maybe should have done is come to Chuck with some honest ass talk, like. You don't think Look, that was last the reputation episode? of the firm is being hurt by you at this point. I, I didn't feel like it was that, like he was actually spelling it all out. He was more like trying to convince him to take this sabbatical or retire or whatever mm. in some, some kind of roundabout way. But I think if he had gone to Chuck maybe and said, "Look, this is how your actions are harming the the company," right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he could have pulled Chuck back over, but he's probably so far gone at this point. That- and, and I feel like that the unspoken thing is they both came to the table. Howard's thinking. All right, he's thought about this. He sees that I'm right. He's uh-huh. going to he's going to take the retirement. Which, he's going which, to take the, the he's honorable. A, he's way a fool, out. right? When this letter comes in, oh, uh, planned his retirement for him. Give him a big party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what? It's a lawsuit. Never but I, saw I think, that coming. I, I think he's like, well, if he has enough time to think about it, and he's going to call, and he's going to right. sit in front of all these partners, and everyone's affected. And then when he gives that just completely self-effacing, like you know, just just self-serving, not self-effacing, self-serving speech about, oh wow, yeah. you're in a rock and a hard place of my own doing, uh-huh. and I'm gonna just you know, we can just just make it all go away. Like that's when Howard, I mean, it's one, it, it's it's not just the anger at how Chuck's behaving, but it's also the. Um, the the expectation for him to do the right thing and he's always done the right thing he's always suspected this guy and now this guy is 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 not living up to that ideal yeah. like there's a lot of betrayal there's a lot of bitterness there's a lot of hurt and anger yeah um, i wonder what the hell happened to to change him that way you know who howard no chuck I, like was I, it rebecca leaving him was it i mean the, that's the entanglements thing. with jimmy like what he has he has suffered from this mental illness and even in getting treatment for it, he's not he's he's too arrogant to actually do the you know, the doctor warned him that if he pushed too hard something like this would happen. Right. And then he does it just to score points and just to I yeah, I I don't know. I don't know because I I mean I guess I guess they've told us enough that I kinda do know that this all happened when when Jimmy got his law degree. Yeah. Because when he first came and said, I got my law degree, Chuck was a practicing lawyer and didn't seem to have any single problems with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he started going off the deep end. And now how much of that was his wife also leaving him at the same time for professional career? Right. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but it, it seems like some combination of him being unable to deal with him not being master of everything. And, and you know, I guess it's like a reverse of what Howard's feeling. The fact that, like, Chuck thought he had Jimmy figured out. And Jimmy thought he had a way that, like, surely, like, okay, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to do things right. I'm going to do right by Chuck. And it's the weird case where nobody – I mean, th- there's a lot of mirror imagery in this episode, too. I mean, like with the glass ceiling and the mm, yeah. Wexler McGill. And I kept on thinking when I saw Jimmy getting punished for ultimately doing the right thing, small lowercase r, lowercase t, uh-huh. by trying to restore this relationship with the old ladies. He gets punished for doing what's good, and he gets – disproportionately rewarded for doing bad things. Sure. Like yeah. when he's being a shit, the, the ladies love him, and he's getting paid. When he tries to do right, he and, and it feels like that's the whole relationship with Chuck, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to change your life. I can't bail you out of these Chicago sunroofs all the time. All right, fine. I'll go and put my nose to the grindstone. I'll do good work for your firm. I'll get a law degree. I'll do all this all my own time without anybody's help. And... Chuck turns on him. It's like he's he's really stuck in this really fucked up upside down world. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, and who knows? You know exactly how much of it is his fault. Yeah, and exactly how much is Chuck's fault. But I, I this know. I was like like peak Chuck fuck here. Well, there's a little bit maybe uh, fuck Chuck. There, there's, there's a little bit more peakery going on. But like his uh, walk of sh- and the fact that I also like however you feel about Howard and the board. Um, I I don't understand why you can't put on some kind of face for it for the employees. Oh, oh, you mean Chuck? Like, yeah, walking out without saying a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, he was blindsided by it, so it's tough to like, you know, fuck you, and also get in front of these people and smile. <laughs> I guess it's true, but like. If if Howard is blindsided, he deals with it a hell of a lot better than Chuck. He does, does but he's a man who has cultivated his image true. to a degree that I That's don't true. think Chuck could. Even yeah, yeah. So. he's not even aware enough to cultivate that kind of image. No. All right, all right. So Kim wakes up. Jimmy makes her some breakfast of uh, eggs, Gatorade, and Vicodin, and then Jimmy <laughs> tells her, champions. "Oh yeah, he's uh, ready to sublet the office and set her up with a home office." She agrees and reveals some of her guilt about driving with zero sleep six hours of sleep over seven days that's not enough that's That's yeah and that you're not a kid anymore either kim nope nope uh yeah i i don't know i mean in this scene they're both kind of feeling bad about a lot of different things right jimmy jimmy is worried about her Mm -hmm. and and feels bad that she could have died and he didn't see it um and he was so self-centered in that moment with his zafiro on yeho coming in to celebrate Mm -hmm. that he didn't notice it um but I think he's also, like, in the back of his mind, he's concerned about Chuck, right? Mm-hmm. He's got both of those things going on at once, and you can see it on his face. Yeah, you kind of wonder if Jimmy feels a little guilty because instead of trying to push to Zafiro and Nero, what if he – because he knows how tired Kim's and how frazzled she is. What if he volunteered to drive while she preps in the passenger seat? Right, yeah. You had nothing else to fucking do that day, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, so – Take a couple what? shots of that tequila and get in the driver's seat. But also the contrast between Jimmy, who – you know, doesn't want to deal with the consequences of his decisions um, and does so reluctantly to Kim, who, you know, takes it all on her own shoulders. Like, hey, I'm an mm-hmm. adult. No one forced me to make these choices. Right. I wanted to do this. So there you go. Um, I, but also, I just kept on like every interaction I wrote the word awkward because. I mean, I think that's another amazing thing because I kept on thinking like in season one how much great chemistry these 
people had. And I thought maybe yeah. that was a natural chemistry that they had. And now the fact that's just gone. It's gone like uh, Sepinwall wrote that like if you'd watched this episode or this just this season, you could be forgiven for not even knowing that they were a couple. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That they were like some brother or sister kind of roommate situation because they're just you know until they kiss at the end, which also felt like a weird awkward thing. They're just like I mean it's must be they they either act they're either faking the chemistry or faking the lack thereof. Either way, <laughs> great acting or both both maybe they're just flat lines on each other. Yeah, and there's so many like I I feel like Kim's saying what's actually on her mind, but Jimmy is not. Like, what is Jimmy thinking? Yeah, it's, t- it's always tough to get in Jimmy's head, you know? He's always got some kind of game going. Mm-hmm. And and to get under that, you really have to sort of catch him off guard. Why is he all about shit-canning the office? I mean, Kim... I think he wants Kim to relax a bit. Yeah, but just like Kim couldn't force Jimmy to do what's right by him by mm-hmm. getting, you know, by, by getting rid of the office... I mean, I guess I see that... I always see, see look for fairness. Like, okay... You can decide that this is acceptable behavior for someone, but then you have to kind of allow the other person to have that. Oh, sure. And, like, yeah. Jimmy just does. is like, I'm the only one that can make sacrifices for people. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because he doesn't feel like he deserves it. Um, and he feels like he's always trying to atone for some bullshit he's done to people, which is probably right. Probably. There, I think I solved it. Yeah. I think I solved the character arc. And, and then the the most menacing thing in this scene in my opinion is when Jimmy says, I'm going to fix things. Right. Because we know how that goes. And And why doesn't Kim say... Please, for the love of God, do yeah. you remember how we got into this circumstance? Right. This was you fixing things caused a thing with Chuck, caused a thing with us, caused you to lose your license. Yeah, like I that's another thing where I just feel like Kim, even in a drugged up, painful state, would have snapped against that. I don't know. Yeah, the Gatorade really goes to your head. I guess it does. Uh, Hector visits the upholstery shop to take a tour and oh, he seeks out <laughs> Nacho's dad. Fuck Hector. <laughs> He seeks out Nacho's dad, Manuel, to take the measure of him, I guess. Uh, Manuel insults him at first by refusing to take his money, but he gives in after Nacho pleads with him to consider the effect on his family. And then on his way out, Hector tells Nacho that he doesn't trust Manuel. Where's Pop? This guy. Yeah, this guy, man. This guy, I mean, I guess another thing about this season is they've really retconned Don Hector as being a dumbass. Okay. Like, he is just yeah. a completely incompetent, um, and I all never saw it that way. I always saw him as, like, you know, maybe the la- – like, like f- because he's so damaged, he didn't know how to, like, raise his kids right. Like, he he's what would happen if Sonny took over the family from The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sonny had a whole bunch of hothead, dumbass kids. But, like, I always thought that he was The Godfather. Uh, but – Yeah, I mean – not he has not looked good this entire season, and I'm not talking about, you know, the fact that uh, th- this this guy's just just way older than than he's playing. I'm talking about like he just all of his decisions are amateur, stupid, you know, like a weak person's Hot-headed, idea of yeah. a strong of a strong action, a dumb yeah. person's idea of a crafty plot. That's can't thing, read yeah. po- the poppy situation and doesn't can't read how conflicted uh, uh, Nacho is about this. Mm-hmm. He's just terrible at what he's doing. He is, yeah. And you know, there, there's that idea that sometimes silent people seem more intelligent or ah, or like they have more insight right, into things. Right. And, and the interesting thing about Hector is he's both silent and he's almost like physically removed from Breaking Bad as yeah. well, right? Like he has such a minor role that you're free to sort of 
put things put like this is the Godfather on him. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. We see he doesn't deserve that, right? He's he's actually just this colossal fuck up. Yeah, I mean, I so so your position is that's not a retcon. This is a fully developing of the character. Yes, definitely. But I totally see why you were. You know, because I, I was too. I thought, man, he must be somebody important because of the respect that people treat him with. Uh, that must mean that he is good at, at something. It's Clearly just weird he's because not. it almost you can't tear down <laughs> you can't tear down an arch nemesis without also tearing down their opposition, right? Sure, yeah. Like Gus looks significant. Gus and Mike look significantly less clever that they outfought this guy. Sure, yeah. Like I, I think the real thing. O. The real fight I expect is from Juan Bolsa, right? Because that's the one that we see come to the head in um, mm-hmm. the earlier parts of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, eventually he gets Hector. But even Eladio, like, Eladio's always looked like he's kind of a bit of a dandy. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really know what the hell he's doing. Right. Um, he's just cashing checks and swimming in his pool. Yeah. I mean, his, de- his not death, I Bolsa guess. Bolsa seems like the guy. His, his heart attack scene was, was pretty amazing. It was, yeah. Um, but I just feel like, oh, man, they've really kind of uh, made a lot of these characters dumber, which has kind of hurt <laughs> Gus's legacy a bit. Are they trying to say something about the drug dealers? Well. The, the people in the drug business? Yeah. Even the best of them can get outfought by an amateur. Yeah. Like, true. maybe maybe I just uh, overestimated Gus or... Probably underestimated how lucky Walter was this whole time, and which, yeah. which I mean, that's the story of Breaking Bad: the fact that all this "quote unquote" success went to Walt's head and made him a monster. Um, whereas, you know, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's it's um, it's interesting, and I like what it does with with Nacho and how yeah. desperate of a place it puts him. But I kind of wish that they had made Hector a little bit smarter, like it was a little bit tougher of a fight. Yeah. Uh, I really like Nacho's dad here, Manuel. Yeah. I think he does a hell of a job, um, you know, showing his defiance and yet still getting out of the situation alive. Right. I mean, there's defiance. He comes off looking the best because, like, yeah. there's defiance and then there's also carelessly throwing right. the lives of you and all of your family away. Yeah. Which is what this guy can do, so. Then we go over to Francesca dropping all of the stuff Kim needs, um, dropping off all the stuff Kim needs to get right back to work. And tells her that she's rearranged all our meetings, so they might still be able to get Gatwood Oil done before the deadline. Kim thinks about it for a second. She's ready to jump back in, but then decides to cancel the meeting and clear her schedule. And she asks for a ride, and they head over to Blockbuster to rent basically every movie on the shelf in 2003. Yep. This yep. has to be the, like, the cheapest set to decorate of all times, right? Because yeah, there's in any they're one like one dollar DVDs, <laughs> right? Well, not like that, but there's so much. There's probably so much blockbuster shit. Just uh-huh. you know, like like every square foot of the United States has like three different blockbuster and, and they're, signs. They're desperate, right? Whoever bought the blockbuster IP is like, yeah, give us eight bucks, you can shoot in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no problem. We still got the DVDs in there. Yeah, uh, I wonder what kind of permission because blockbuster still is. There's an article I read on Reddit that like there's still forty uh, forty blockbusters in uh, Alaska. What? Makes sense though. Yeah, because you're not you, gonna... you, what what killed Blockbuster is nothing that they did. What killed mm-hmm. Blockbuster is streaming video. Yeah. So Alaska, I'd imagine outside of the very largest cities, has shit broadband infrastructure. Probably. So they're still renting DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah, makes but, sense. I mean, I, that's that's such such a crazy thing that Blockbuster was so big. <laughs> 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. now they have been utterly destroyed by a change in technology. I think it's time for Blockbuster to pivot. 
is all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I think, take those 40 stores and your uh-huh. Alaska profits and uh-huh. move into something different, Blockbuster. Ma- maybe meth. Maybe uh, meth, yeah. Find, Jesse's living up there somewhere. There you go. You can start it all over again um, because they need something to do during <laughs> those six months of winter. Yep. I, I, I don't know. Um, Every I, I, DVD it, it was really nostalgic because beef. all of my, like, I watched this, the stuff that I did watch of Lost, like, uh, I, I watched renting from Blockbuster. Like that's mm-hmm. how I watched all of uh, Twenty Four. That's how I. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of like my introductory. I think I even watched the first season of Mad Men on on Blockbuster. Wow. Um, I know I did. I, I I know I didn't Breaking Bad because I, I watched that first season. I rented, got it from the library, and then from season two of both of those shows, I watched them live on AMC. But. Yeah, I mean, my um, childhood and teen years are filled with Blockbuster. I always thought it'd be such a cool job to work at Blockbuster, like yeah. a cool teenager job. Like, uh-huh. you know, you just get to wreck it. It's probably miserable. You probably turn into some kind of Jack Black asshole working there. But like, it's, I, always, I mean, it's the GameStop of yeah. 20 years ago, right? You think it's going to be fun, but it's actually just dealing with a bunch of stupid yeah. mean people. And you think it's got a future, and really it doesn't because of online yeah. digital stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, they, I, they did the whole Blockbuster thing upright. Did, did, they, you, did they talk on the ins? Because I didn't. I unfortunately didn't get to listen to the Insider podcast. Did they talk about like acquiring their rights or? Uh, no, they didn't talk about it. But I only got to like the last half hour of okay. the cast. I ran out of time. Okay. Um, did it seem to you like Francesca's really trying to butter Kim up here, no, or felt, is she just being concerned? I just felt Francesca was doing a hell of a job. She, she is, was yeah. like, "This is my time to shine and prove that I'm." Uh, and she maybe saw the writing on the wall that, like, this is a lot of blows to a company and I don't want to lose my job. But, like, uh, she turned out to be, like, uber competent. Like, I feel like yeah. Kim could have snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. Now, I mean, that's that's what's I thought this was very expertly done and in a very show-not-tell. Like, her looking at her schedule and the things that she was going to the amount of the work that she's going to have to do to pull this off and just mm-hmm. like, nope, nope, I'm not – this is going to be the the flashing red light that I actually stop at. I thought that was really done well. Yeah, and it, was. it also made Francesca seem very resourceful, which was probably going to turn and in, in, come in handy later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I understand why Kim's just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to repeat this. I'm going to actually try, unlike Jimmy or Chuck or anybody else around me. I'm going to try to learn from my mistakes. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, speaking of not learning from your mistakes, Jimmy goes to Chuck's house to apologize for everything that's gone on between them. Uh, he's surprised to see that Chuck has the electricity back on. And when Jimmy tells him uh, that he has regrets, Chuck tells him that he's not going to change his behavior, so there's no point in going through the whole song and dance of apologizing. And then he tells Jimmy that he's never mattered much to him, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty obviously a lie. Um, but it's devastating to Jimmy. A- and, man, it's just so cold when he says that. Yeah, and and it's such it's also such a projection because, you know chuck in in stooping to deal with his brother is is done all the things he's accused right jimmy of like he's yeah. hurt everyone around him he's hurt his wife her ex-wife he's hurt his old business partner he's hurt mm-hmm. his brother uh and now he's gonna gonna hurt himself yeah um and then the ultimate lie like anyone that's and then that's the thing like i can't believe jimmy I'm actually very surprised Jimmy is capable of being wounded by that because it seems mm-hmm. like such a self-evident bullshit thing to say. Like, oh, really? The mm-hmm. guy who torched my torched his own career and his own law firm and fucked all this stuff up just to get at me doesn't give a shit, doesn't think about me? Right. Come on. Yeah, it's... 
I'm actually not sure why Jimmy, you know, just buys that. I, in fact, but. I was waiting for Jimmy to be like, say you, I, you actually owe me for all this. I'm yeah. the one. You didn't get better on your own. It was me humiliating you in public that got you all of these things. Mm-hmm. I've saved your fucking life, you dumb. Uh, and it, it didn't happen. No, it didn't. Happen. It didn't. And I, that's the thing. Is like, I, I think he's blindsided by that that comment, and he he's. Unable to respond with anything. That, that's this feels not right to me. This interaction between these two men did not feel genuine. Like from Chuck, it okay. felt genuine. Jimmy, you know, I felt like he got to a place this season where he could. He was tired of taking his guff from Chuck, and mm-hmm. he wasn't going to. And then like Chuck just at the end is like, just you know, do you know what? Just spare me. And I thought he's like, oh, I thought maybe he was going to admit. It's like you're right, you're right. I tried to wrestle in the mud with you, and it didn't work. But instead, he just fucking. Reverse judo flipped him and and put the blame right back on uh, on, on Jimmy's shoulders. So like you yeah. know, fuck Chuck. This is like this is the <laughs> the height of hashtag fuck Chuckery to me. Well, it won't get any higher. No, that's for sure. It's, it steadily will ebb throughout the rest <laughs> yeah. of the the episode. Uh, the thing is, though, in this scene, you know, Jimmy's coming to Chuck in a very I, I don't know in a very vulnerable state. I think. It's it's tough to say with Jimmy. Like, when is he actually vulnerable, and when? But is why he... is he vulnerable? Because he's there to apologize. But you know, why he's going there with open emotions, and Chuck is stonewalling him and t- and throwing it right back in his face. But I, I don't I think under- that I, surprises him. I'm not sure why. I also don't understand why Jimmy is picking now to do this. I mean, like this Jimmy, like like Kim's not. Is it the fact that Kim is not going to blame him and he feels like he's got this like sadomasochistic need to be blamed and need for people to be mad at him justifiably? So it's like, well, yeah. Kim's not going to get the whip out and flog me. I know. I'll go to my brother and demand he do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I buy into what Chuck says about Jimmy. I think he does work in these cycles. You know, yeah. he he does something that he should feel bad about he feels bad about it and then he doesn't he goes and does it again you know um and he never learns from that mistake and i i don't know i I think he's just here genuinely feeling bad about it the emotion is real like chuck says it's just the pattern is not going to change i don't i don't know it's it's tied into the kim thing and the fact that kim is not is refusing to blame him for any of this stuff and I, i i do like I think that's the thing that Chuck is missing about this is that this is a pattern that that he helped he, he himself helped establish the fact that Jimmy is the precocious child that then you know steps out of line and gets whipped down and then uses his charm and charisma to get back and and th- that he needs that 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 punishment phase too somehow he's I don't yeah. know Jimmy's pretty sick too he Jimmy's is a pretty sick individual as well yeah he can't authentically accept real love it doesn't I'm tr- seem like I'm trying to think who in this show isn't sick in a way yeah that's true because you look at kim she's just as sick yeah i mean she's a workaholic right howard's some kind of burying her head person that (laughs) right howard there's no question about it like like howard might be the most human person in the whole scary but i think you're right yeah he's got actual feelings that can be hurt irene how about irene yeah irene's Irene's a good person she seems genuinely nice yeah yeah uh, all right. Uh, later that night, Chuck wakes up with his illness bothering him, and he goes and turns off all the electricity in his house, but he's still unable to sleep. Mm-hmm. And this, this seems like the final straw for Chuck. You know, he's he's hurt his brother one too many times, and he can't deal with it. He feels the guilt. The illness comes back. It's the same cycle he's been in. It's a cognitive dissonance, right? The 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 
the conflict between what he believes, which is I'm the good guy, Jimmy's the bad guy, with his actual actions, which is I'm kind of shitty too. Yeah, I mean that's it's very true what you say when you know you talk about the the mirroring here. Mm-hmm. Like Chuck is pointing the finger, accusing Jimmy of being stuck in this cycle when he himself also is, mm-hmm. and he's too blind to see it. Yeah. Uh, then Jimmy goes and visits with Irene uh, to to deliver a veiled thank you package, I guess, mm-hmm. for settling the case. Right. Uh, during the course of the meeting, he he finds out that the ladies still haven't welcomed her back into the pack. So Jimmy sets about trying to make things right, but he fails. Yeah, and in fact, just just ingratiates himself more with like these like right. the, the one that he stabbed in the back is saying you're nice and the, the ladies mm-hmm. that he manipulated against Irene are saying he's a saint and she doesn't deserve you for trying to take that blame yeah yeah pretty pretty bad now I do feel like there's a room between this and the nuclear option which is to get all these women in the same room and try to broker a real now he says I'm not good at that and Kim says play to your strengths so I don't think right. but I don't know that he is th- that he is that bad at it. You know, like if he said that he didn't eat, I mean, mm. he would have to still be a little sneaky and con because, like the 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 I don't I don't think that it. I mean, it's the same. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is like, why could why did he have to do the con? Why can't he just sit down and say? I needed the money. You don't know this about me, but I got this just leveled with them all in the same room. And I told her I gave her those shoes, didn't I? And I, and I mean, maybe he thinks that, that that wouldn't work because they would think that he was just stumping for Irene. Maybe, but I mean, if it even if it did work, uh, Jimmy's not that guy, right? He tries to con his way out of things. He does tries to feel fix little, things by conning. Does that feel like a little show? Like that's a little that's a little fictional. Like no, like every once in a while, like I have always said, like sometimes you can hear like the clitter clack of a, key, a keyboard or a typewriter in the background when mm-hmm. you're watching a television show. And I felt like this that all the world's a con, the Jimmy Prism. I I don't know, I don't know. Well, I I also think it's it's also you know in as much as like you can hear the keyboards clacking, it's also this idea that people don't always do the best thing in their situation, right? Yeah. And, and their faults and their flaws are things that cause them to not do those. And they got to get him to Saul. Like, I understand yeah. where they're trying to move the ultimate arc, and I'm arguing for him essentially to becoming more Jimmy at the end of season three, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. But I don't know. I, like I said in the beginning of the episode, this is all good, but it does feel like there's something just a little bit off. The characters are just... Hmm. Like, like I, I never felt that way. Even when, like, you know, you got the seven, seven thirty-seven over ABQ situation, I, I, I never felt like those characters were false. Mm-hmm. Like the situation they were in felt contrived, but in that situation, how they all behaved was spot on. Something is feels both contrived about the situation and also a little bit about the emotional beats. Hmm. Okay. Um, so we go back over to Chuck. He notices that something is still drawing power through the meter, and he calls the electric company to have a look at it. They can't get out till Wednesday, and in the meantime, Chuck decides he's going to investigate the source himself, which spirals out of control until his entire house has been torn apart and the electric meter has been smashed in with a baseball bat. This is a, I think this is an excellent scene. Yeah, and you know, you Incredible. know, we, ha- we haven't mentioned our buddy Dave Porter yeah. for a while, but holy shit, a lot of what makes this work is the kind of classic Chuck jazzy background just sliding off the rails as Chuck descends yeah. into his madness and his tics get worse, and 
he's falling apart. His house is uh, falling apart. The soundtrack is going into crazy town. I, and to the, to the fact that, like, do you think the meter was actually spinning? <laughs> well, I hadn't asked that question. Um, I see it spinning, so I assume so. But it could because be everything I understand about Red, I, I I thought like there's two there's two possibilities. Either this is a like a telltale heart delusion mm-hmm. that like you know like 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 our Don Draper like uh, you know the rot ain't in your tooth, uh, Dick, um, or. Yeah. Or there was, he was going to find like an underground weed growing operation that Jimmy forgot about, like you know, I, I, or there was going to be some kind of thing that Mike had set up as some kind of bug, or yeah, I, I don't know because like everything I understand about residential construction is you pull the main circuit breakers and that's it, right? Like it would be very not the code if there's other ways that the electricity are going, so. Yeah, I kind of feel like the disc wasn't spinning. He's just he's just lost his damn mind. It's possible in exactly I mean, the same way that he imagines he can detect electricity. Yeah, what is what is the step to actually seeing this thing slowly spin? I sure. don't know. I that's that's what I think. I I think that 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 this entire episode is is his guilt complex going oh, yeah. completely completely delusional. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that scene other than man, it's excellent. Yeah, um, and watching this man descend into madness yeah. was I, I, this is always a great topic thrilling. for Breaking Bad because or I'm sorry, Better Cast Saul, Better Call Saul because we we both respect Emmy so much. Um, <laughs> but all over the slash r slash Better Cast Call Saul subreddit, uh, everybody's called for Michael McKean to get an Emmy nomination. I kind of agree mm-hmm. as but, a supporting actor, sure. But this is just such a loaded year of television. Yeah, I think the supporting actor role might be a little more open because if you look at like the leftovers or something, like Justin Thoreau, Carrie Coon, they both deserve lead actors. Sure, but uh, not. But you've got you know Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, yeah, he had he had one like really good scene. I guess you also have a, uh, Glenn um, Scott. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that he Scott Glenn, he, yep. Scott Glenn yeah, the astronaut. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like that he he could get some some love, but but I I just feel like that man when you're, I like I I don't disagree, but the the way when I disagree is like if you don't consider the whole rest of the field, um, sure yeah, uh, and the fact that we're only halfway through and it's been this mm-hmm. packed, we haven't gone through Game of Thrones yet, we haven't gone through Mister Robot, we haven't seen a lot of this heavy hitting stuff come, so yeah. I. I, I would I feel put like him in the running for sure. Certainly though. deserves a nomination, but what there's six of them that to give out, I I don't yeah. I don't know. And also it would be for next year, so don't panic if he gets it. This it doesn't get the nod this year. Yeah, I think he did an incredible job. And if it's if it is, if it is the lad, I think that maybe the other thing that'll help him out if this is the swan song for his character, maybe that would carry some extra weight. Yeah, because he's maybe you so. know he's done a lot of things. He's been active in the community a long time. I, that that counts for a lot too. So we go over to Nacho, who is waiting in the dark for Hector to show up at a meeting. He sneaks up behind him to try and shoot him, but he doesn't have a shot. Just then, Hector's goons, his other goons, roll up, followed shortly thereafter by Gus and Juan Bolsa, and the meeting begins. Juan tells Hector that he's here to make sure there are no misunderstandings about how the operations are going to be handled now, and also to make sure that he and Gus work things out. Hector gets so angry that he has an episode and collapses, and the paramedics are called, and he's carted away. Uh, I had a problem with this scene. I okay. think this is contrived as fuck. Wow. I, Nacho 
why? Why? What are you doing, Nacho? Uh huh. Why are you sneaking up behind Hector to shoot him in the head when you've got this pill operation in play? I think it's desperate. Like once he I know said, I don't trust Poppy. Like that's I, that's what I. I thought you were going to go a different direction. Oh, let, let, I, I go am. Ahead I'm, now. Okay. I'm going that direction, and I'm going okay. this direction. The message? The message, like, he doesn't acknowledge that he even ever got a message. He shows up at a meeting that he seemed to have not known about. Right. And yet he's following Hector around. He's Hector's goon, like, You're head going to goon. assassinate the head of your family, and you're going to not pay attention to your cell phone? Right. It's it's insane. This whole thing is contrived. And then when they show up, and they're like, oh, you got, glad to see you got my message. Yeah. I, it just feels so contrived. Yeah. I really disliked this setup for this scene. I agree. The scene agree. in general is okay, but... I agree. Do you know what the else The setup is, is terrible. Do you know what else is terrible? Huh? Uh, Hector's goon's hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think there exists a guy who could pull this off, mm-hmm. like a uh, pirate of the Caribbean era, Orlando Bloom, for example, maybe. Okay. Yeah. This guy cannot do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck he's thinking with this skull cap ponytail business, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, it's got to go. Uh-huh. You're standing right next to dude that's got one of the most awesome beards I've ever seen, and you're <laughs> got this what the fuck on your head. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, you look like a uh, you look like a circumcised penis that got botched. I feel like we like might some kind have... of weird skin flap is hanging off the back, and the doctor, <laughs> like your parents sued the doctor, but what are you going to do? Cut your penis again? Yeah, no, no you just got to leave it. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't have that problem. Cut that thing off, man. <laughs> I, I feel like we've done this bit in like, season He's like season a fucking two. inverted Playboy Friar Tuck. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't like anything about I'm it. I'm with you. No, I hate it. Um, so Hector's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. Yeah. Like, like I don't know how you the Salamanca family fell into its apparent disrepair, but it happened, yeah. and you lived through it. And at some point, Don Eladio became the boss. Mm-hmm. I guess that was the time to stand and fight. Not when you've got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel and and, and Nacho setting you up on an ice rink. Like, the, this, I don't know, the, 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 the boss can suck me. It's <laughs> a great line, though. It's a great line, but it's just... <laughs> the way he delivers it was great. I don't think the line's particularly good, but... Yeah. No, he swung for his hilarious. with this. And then Gus... Do, so, so the other thing I don't I don't like about this scene is what the hell is Gus stay, like? Why doesn't why is Gus stay for the ambulance? Because uh, I think if Juan Bolsa has to get out of there, yeah. he has to get out of there double. Yeah, I'm with you. He should not be seen in this. He's area. handing out awards to EMTs and firefighters and cops. He's going to be recognized. Why are yeah. you here mm-hmm. at what looks to be a gang meeting yep. in the middle of the fucking night, giving this guy CPR? No, I assumed he was going to take off. Um, but then when he did, he didn't, like, that seems like shockingly bad attention to detail for the show. Yeah. I, I do like that he stays, well, I I don't know. I mean, Bolsa would understand if he just bolted, yeah. you know, along with him, because Bolsa's doing the same. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's doing it clearly for show for Bolsa, like... This is what he wants. He wants Hector out of the way, but but he also doesn't want him to die because he's saying don't like he, his the Spanish he's saying is don't you die on me, cabrón, which is somewhere between son of a bitch, dumbass, mm-hmm. uh, motherfucker. Like like he's he doesn't he doesn't want it, like the yeah, bullet's too good for Hector. Slipping into a coma is way too good for him. Gotcha. Like Gus yeah. is trying to spite resurrect him, uh-huh. which I thought was interesting but i don't feel like gus actually stays there i feel like gus gives nacho a one minute employee training manual on how to do cpr yeah and then bounces because he cannot be seen there 
He yeah, cannot be seen there by the by the authorities. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is also like the perfect thing to have happen for Gus. You know, he doesn't want him to die, mm-hmm. but he does want him out of the way, and he, it happens in a way that he couldn't possibly have been involved with. We know he yeah. wasn't, and it happens in front of Bolsa, who can back him up to Don Eladio, right? I did not take him out. My nothing, question, nothing nefarious went on here. Yeah, yeah, right. He just collapsed, and, and I Bolsa wonder, could say, yeah. I wonder what the cousins think about all this. Hmm. Because, like, you know, like what, like, like, what what happens when Tuco gets out of prison and they he calls the cousins and they're like, hey, you know, uh, this is all kind of some crazy coincidental stuff. And or maybe they think, that, hey, my my uncle went a little crazy. Uh, he stepped up to the big boss and he shouldn't have done that. I, yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But there's such loose cannons. Mm hmm. Uh, and their leash is held so firmly by the cartel, the fact that they wouldn't have any problem with the way their uncle's being treated. If he's having a problem with it, I don't mm. know. Like, why doesn't he call? Like, I feel like the way they've portrayed um, Don Eladio, that Hector calls the cousins and, and sets them off the chain, there's no way Eladio outfights them. Like, it, it's there's there's a, some of the world building feels a little creaky, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, it depends on, I guess, how much input Hector's going to have here mm-hmm. going forward. It's it's tough to say, but yeah, I'm with you. Because I wonder, like, there. Do you think the plan was that Hector was going to have him just blast, Don, you know, Don Bolsa and Gus? Because that feels like Possibly. that's what they were going to do, and then then it's a war. Can he win that war? He must have felt like he yeah. could have. I don't know. I mean, at some point, Gus certainly thinks he can. Yeah. So. Well, I, my money's on a lot Gus smarter. Again. Yeah, like yeah. I said, like I feel like Gus can outfight all the, and he did, he did. He so. did. Yeah. Uh, he. Let, let's talk about Gus for a second. He seems okay. to be suspiciously eyeing Nacho and the pills at the end of this scene, and I don't yeah. really know why, other than I think it's, Gus is preternaturally uh, linked into what's happening. Yeah, no, I think that Gus is a sharp. I buy that Gus is a sharp enough cookie that he sees Nacho off in the margins doing some sleight of hand with these pills on the ground. So. And he suspects that, yeah, some, so he suspects foul play. Hmm. Now, I, I'm, yeah. I'm actually – so what do you – you think Gus is mad at Nacho? No, I, I because think there's a whole thread on sizing the, up the situation. There's a whole thread on a subreddit where people were saying, oh, man, Gus is going to be mad at Nacho because he thinks he deserves worse than death. And here's not. And I'm like, I feel like Gus would completely understand Nacho being mm-hmm. afraid for his dad and trying to do this thing. And he Absolutely. would see it as smart man, and resourceful. A man who tells Mike, I'm not going to take money from your family. I'm not going to let your dad get killed. And again, this, I don't know, know what like, he feels like in his heart of hearts. Sure, but his, yeah. the, the, the image he's portraying uh, and is consistent is that he has got this understanding and, and, and he, he, he values smart and resourceful people. Mm-hmm. And that served him well up until he met one Walter White. Right, and that's... I think this and that's this the exception season, that proves the rule, I guess. Right, this series is shining a light on the relationship of Gus and yeah. Walter White in a way that I didn't think that's I good... needed or that could even be done because you think back to or think back, you think forward, I guess, uh-huh. to when he threatens Holly, right? Like right. I don't think this man like it, 
Walter White must have drove him crazy. And you, I think you to can be see able that. to do to make that threat. Yeah, when you watch like how much he goes wishy washy between oh get rid of oh I need you oh get rid of this guy and and <laughs> right. keeps altering the pl- his best the deals laid plans and, every time. And Gus yeah. is trying to roll with him and like accepting all the lies he's told and the yeah. you, but you, you can see that like Gus is like I've got a system. Yeah. I find these smart, resourceful people. They're not really career criminals. They don't think like criminals, and and everything's safe, and everything's uh, is a well-oiled machine. And then he meets Walter White, and it blows his model yeah. to hell. <laughs> sure does to to hell. Yep. So I, you, you're right. That's uh, I didn't didn't expect or need this, but I do appreciate that dimension. It shows just what a what a fucking wild card uh, Walter White yeah. is. Yep. Uh, Jimmy arrives at Kim's place, which I. Is it their place now? It seems or is he just like staying it's... with Kim? For... I mean, his place is yeah, kind the of laundry closet in a nail pol- uh, a Vietnamese nail pol- parlor. Yeah, did he get that place back after the office shut down? I, I don't. I don't think. I think he's like, yeah, the the tastefully done IKEA decoration with the. Bo- I, were those back style backsplashes? Those multicolored glass. I, I feel like that. That's not that, that. That's that's a little ahead of the fashion curve. Wasn't that, that, that mm, feels like sure that? You know, what I'm talking, talking about those about. like like really tiny strips of multicolored glass for the backsplash. Behind. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that's something that was in the 2010s. Yeah, but Kim's rocking it back in 2003. I think the Property Brothers invented that. Mm, did they? Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take 15 dollars of the Home Depot and uh-huh. turn it into 1500 dollars <laughs> of ooh wow, look at backsplash. <laughs> right. I stuck at necessity. It's like I feel like that's the one thing because you look around modern kitchens. Um, and like I feel like there's a lot of this stuff is kind of very classic, but those backsplashes scream dated in ten years. Oh yeah, like like the seventies kitchens, like like I, what the hell were they thinking with the paisley linoleum and the wood panels Avocado and the and the harvest and, fucking gold yeah. and the chef. Like like they were just lost their goddamn minds. I feel mm. like a lot of this stuff is going to stand the test of time, but the backsplashes already yeah. a bit dated. Could be right. I, I guess when Chuck is going at the backsplash, I feel like I pissed off a lot of people with a lot of kitchens by saying that. I'm just yeah. saying uh, that that backsplash might be the harvest gold of the 2020s. I'm just saying Chuck knew it. Chuck knew it. Yeah, he was ahead of his time. He started <laughs> burning that thing out. Burn it all down. Yep. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, he uh, he arrives at Kim's place just in time to continue the relaxathon. She decides they're going to watch To Kill a Mockingbird, and she asks about Irene, and Jimmy realizes what he has to do. Though he doesn't want to do it, because she she mentions, you know, sometimes you got to play to your strengths, with mm-hmm. which he says is tearing things down. So he's going to go tear his himself down in front of them. Uh, I got to ask your opinion on two things. Yeah, where do you stand on double dipping Doritos into cheese and salsa? Uh, as long as you eat the whole Dorito, I'm cool with that. Okay, just don't like dip, bite, dip. Kim would be a real fan of the Dorito Loco craze that's had that's oh, swept yeah, Taco the- Bell. Uh-huh. See, I'm not a fan, so I'm like, I felt like, I was a little queasy at the idea of dipping Doritos into cheese sauce and then and, and salsa. I guess you got to have your Dorito bottle of cheese and your, like, Tostito bottle of cheese, because mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, dip into a bottle of cheese with the Dorito dust in it if I'm not eating Doritos with it. Ah. Cause right, because the contam- dust has got to come off. It's going to contaminate fly style for you. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it would drive me insane. Sure, sure, <laughs> I get that. Uh, second thing... We talked. We touched this. Touched on this a little bit, but I cannot believe that they're playing off that Kim knew the details of the old lady scam and then she's fine with it. Now, 
it's possible that I'm reading too much into this and that Vince Gilligan would say, oh, Aaron, does she really know? Her, 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 her. She, she knows what this version of Jimmy is told, which is maybe that he applied some pressure or maybe. But even then, I feel like she'd be like, are you an idiot? This is your formal counsel and you're giving quasi legal advice that's got a bare bit of corporate, va- you know, like a little bit of veil between it. Mm-hmm. I, I was blown away that they just did the Kim. I, I don't know whether it's the Vicodin or what, but Kim just doesn't give a shit that. That Jimmy is scamming these old ladies for mil- for millions of dollars of his own benefit. She's Atticus Finch. I get that he's not, but damn, <laughs> right? And then say play to your strength. Yeah. Like, yeah. What if he builds a bomb and blows up the nursing home, Walter White style? Right. Ding ding. Yeah, uh, I feel you on that. I I I also think like the show it, the show is telling me that they have a opinion on where this particular action lies on the legal spectrum. Because Aaron herself doesn't seem to say, like, this is borderline going to get you, you know, your license suspended permanently or mm-hmm. or get you completely disbarred. She just, like, is appalled at the ethics of it, essentially, or the but morality of it. That's where I thought Kim would be. I, I, I wouldn't think right, Kim would be say, impressed. Like, I can't believe you've successfully navigated the thin line between illegal and immoral. Way to go, Jimmy. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, like, the showrunners clearly have an idea of that because they've never even brought up the topic of, is this illegal? Okay, that's fine. I just feel like they've done a very poor job of preparing me for this yeah. ra- radical swing of Kim's behavior when she's... I mean, maybe maybe that's the thing, that, like, she grew up idolizing Atticus Finch. She didn't become Atticus Finch, so she's a little bit jaded at this point, and she's loopy on drugs. But I'm shocked... I thought that would be the ultimate breaking point of their relationship. Yeah. And no, now I mean, it's... The, the way it seemed in season two, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Maybe Or maybe she's just like, this is like a full-on, like, psychologically abusive relationship that she's just... She's been... The frog has been boiled in the water. Jimmy just keeps turning up the degrees of fucked upness, yeah. and she accepts it. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I thought I, that... I feel like the way that they could maybe have brought people like you on board a little bit more, or people like me even, because I, I kind of agree with you, um, is to maybe spell it out a little bit more. Like, why would the show think this is not illegal? Yeah, like, what you is... Know, why Kim's... would Kim be on board with this ever? Kim is the type of person that even uh, with a, a hashtag fuck Chuck situation, she feels guilty about manipulating the system. Yeah. For her own benefit, even though arguably, very arguably, Chuck brought all that to himself and she's just doing her job. Mm-hmm. Felt guilty about Howard, so she has to write a check to him, but she's just cool with Jimmy manipulating these little... I mean, maybe... They needed another scene to tell us why. Maybe, like, if there was a scene that's on the cutting room floor where Jimmy and her have a conversation about the fact that they can't believe that the law, that the law firm is angling for more money when you've got the advanced age of this client and yeah. how much they can actually benefit from that versus how, you know, like like I, that could have been like okay, and then maybe Jimmy shades the truth about like I'm just trying to tell the ladies the truth and mm-hmm. and it kind of blew it got it oh, got away from me Kim but it looks like she just turns a blind eye to it and I didn't like that. Yep. Uh, then we go over to Jimmy hosting hot yoga. He's he's enacting his idea. Is this hot yoga? His plan. Or not hot yoga. Oh. Ch- chair yoga. Sorry. Okay. Uh, the hot yoga is where they hot box you and they do. do yoga. Well, well not hot box. They, no, not hot box in that sense. But yes, sauna, they do yeah. hot box you. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of it, Aaron shows up and takes him outside to chew him out about the settlement. And uh, let's say accidentally over the speakers connected to the headset he's wearing, the ladies hear him unremorsefully explaining how he built up and exploited the trust of Irene and the other 
the others of them to make a bunch of money from the settlement. Accidentally on purpose. Right. Because I was shocked at how many people on some of the this, this, this show, like, after show Reddit, subreddit threads were like, I can't believe Jimmy did that accidentally or, like, completely missed the fact that this what? was all a scam. I wow. know, man. Wow. I, I th- this <laughs> okay, and I don't think these people are stupid. I think these people are playing with their cell phones while they're watching okay. the television. Yeah, totally. I, I see that, and that's what's starting to drive me crazy about these show threads. Mm-hmm. Is like all these people that watch clearly distractedly watch this and miss like super important points of the show. Yeah, like again, I don't think they're dumb. I just think they're not paying attention. And these shows, you have to pay attention. So, you know. Why do I need four threads about people wondering what Jimmy's? I it just I don't know. It drives me crazy. Sometimes I'm not playing with my phone and I still miss stuff. What's my excuse? Just I don't know, but maybe I guess I'm just it. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just dumb. Uh, so when he returns to chair yoga, Irene and the other ladies have been reunited by their anger at him, and they all leave. Yeah. And then Jimmy goes out and thanks Aaron for the role she played in the ruse. Uh, it's a great scene, you know. Um, I I like seeing Aaron Brill again. <laughs> I know you hate it. I like seeing it, it's a fun character. Uh-huh. Like, That's, it, yeah. It's an annoying character, yeah. but intentionally so and yeah. kind of tongue in cheekly so. She's a, she's a, would you say she's the Bogdan, the eyebrows of this this series? Yeah, totally. Like she's very colorful, very distinctive pain mm-hmm. in the ass to the protagonist. Right. And hopefully Jimmy <laughs> will scam a car wash out of her before everything's said and done. Yeah. I mean the scene is so cringeworthy, right? It's like Yeah. God, I don't I don't want to see Jimmy destroy his own reputation because I think clearly at some point he was trying to help these these elderly folk. But yeah. now he's got himself into a situation where he has to destroy himself just to help I don't know if out. he does. And the other thing is, like, he also, like, all this not forgiven because these ladies are not back to square one. Sure. Their relationship's repaired, but now they have to be that now they have to deal with the fact that they've been victimized by someone they trusted uh-huh. and super taken advantage of and they've kind of lived up to some of these elderly stereotypes and that can't be good for one's self-esteem sure and this is like how many years do these people have left in their golden years and jimmy has put an undue amount of stress and misery into their life yeah and then spare me the emails otherwise like i, I got a couple oh, that yeah, was like on. hey i think you guys are being a little hard no no we're not no definitely go go hang out in a nursing home for even a week yeah and then tell me tell me that those people need more misery in their life i mean or, or if any you want, effects on the elderly in a nursing home type scenario would be Far more enormous, I think, than anyone else because yeah. they're stuck in this micro ecosystem, right? Yeah, where they have no option; they're not going like, to escape you, it. And if it goes know, bad, it's just fucked up for the rest of their life till they die. Yeah, like, do you know how bad cool. fucking high school and junior high sucked when you were the odd right. person out? Like maybe you got the the privilege of not experiencing that. It sucks really bad for sure. Yeah. The thing that you kind of cling to is things will get better. Well, yeah. If you're crapping your pants and going, your kidneys are in dialysis and late stage failure and, and your kids aren't coming no jimmy's a no. shit jimmy's a shit and any emails to the contrary will be summary deleted there's less risk your of opinion swirly, is noted it has been rejected by this podcast both parties <laughs> all right glad we got that clear yes yes all right let's move on to jimmy kim and francesca packing up the last of the stuff in the office francesca heads out after uh being let go jimmy throws out his rolodex because it's full of seniors who absolutely hate him now and then they admire the wall one last time before leaving the office for good. 
Uh, I really hate to see Francesca go. I think she's awesome. She's not going. Uh, we know she's not going for good, obviously. I, but And I like this scene because it really... It really it does such a contrast to what we know she becomes later mm-hmm. on, and the fact that she's like, "Oh, good, I'll be your first call." Great, I I kind of can't wait to see that happen. I don't know. Do you, hmm. she's like the person ultimately? Like, is she one of the? Is she one of the only ones in Breaking Bad history that gets one over on Walter White and suffers no consequence? She straight up extorts so, him yeah. for like, like five figures yeah. over a door that he broke uh-huh. and never faces – like she's the ultimate champion of Breaking Bad. Yeah, she wins. Gus can't do that. Nope. Skylar White can't do that. The freaking neo-Nazis can't, can't do, that. do that. No, no. They all, get, they all get brought before him. It's true. Brought low. Francesca's standing, standing, standing high. Yep. Head. Did, does she get disappeared? I don't know. That's a good question. Because it feels like she'd have a lot of explaining to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't get to leave with her head held high. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but she does here. And I don't know how soon she'll be back, but yeah. we know eventually she does come back, so that's nice. Um, and, and hearing you know Jimmy talk about, I'm going to need a whole new business model when I get my license back is pretty funny. They, they keep playing with us, right? They keep teasing this idea of, of Jimmy becoming Saul. Uh, they brought us to the brink last episode at fall. Right. Everybody said, this is the moment. Now, now he's been They're brought back again, again. Uh, but but they also do it with a teaser of I'm going to need a new business model, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, well, and it does, uh, it's also kind of a return to his old business model because he started out in criminal law, uh, public defender, right? He's right, doing he did, that yeah. for less pro bono and more pro bone you. Uh-huh. Um, do you think? Here's, here's now that we're at the end of the season. Before we go into like a scene that I don't think either one of us can say anything bad about. I am. I said this four episodes ago that I would be very chagrined if they make it out of the season. I don't see a one goddamn Saul Goodman production commercial. Mm-hmm. We got nothing but the original. That's such a. I feel like that's such a huge missed opportunity. You mean for his law firm, right? No, because I mean, he has made uh, Saul uh, Goodman. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Like, I didn't see any of the Scalar brothers. I didn't see any of the Tampico furniture. I didn't see any fun Saul Goodman low budget commercials this season. That's not true. What? What did we yeah, see? Yeah, we saw the one that he, the commercial he makes for commercials. That's, that's right? what. That's I'm saying. That's the only one. And we oh, said, okay. if that's it, if we don't. I, I, I mean, I don't know. So we. Uh, that's what I said. That if I didn't see any more, yeah. then they took such a fun concept and really, really missed the ball on delivering it. Oh, they're saving it all up. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I mean, you're you're certainly right. We didn't see any more after that. I thought that was a missed opportunity for some for some Saul Goodman fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we really I, just saw the filming of them. Yeah, and I just don't know that we're going to get much Saul Goodman fun the rest of the series. So, okay, that would uh, be something we we're doing a wrap up podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's something I definitely want to talk about in a wrap up podcast. Okay. Um, what what room does Saul Goodman have in Jimmy Jimmy uh, McGill's world? Yeah. Uh, then we go over to Chuck. Uh, oh, one last night. thing. Yep. Kiss on the mouth. Uh, what is that telling us? Or did you feel like that? That felt like the I'm least so... awkward interaction about the relationship. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so up in the air on these two. I really yeah, don't know. Here. I same here. couldn't tell you. Same here. Kim might hate his guts. I don't, she I don't might know love that's, him. That's I don't a know. Masterful way of staying on that 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 uh, that sitting on the fence of possibilities, so they can punt that the next season and <laughs> right. have or or it's it's a little bit of a dodge or it's a little bit of a muddled character point. Yeah, not sure. Uh, 
Uh, this next scene doesn't seem very muddled, other mm-hmm. than maybe the the murky, inky blackness. But later that night, Chuck's sitting in his house as uh, a house that is as devastated as he is, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back to the lantern, and it's sitting on a stack of newspapers on the desk in front of him. He's kicking the table. He's inching the lantern toward the edge. One final kick sends it crashing to the floor, and then the house burns down around him. Chuck's dead, right? I mean, as we've already discussed, yeah. the, the the Villa gang collectively will have some explaining to do, and I'm not saying they can't explain their way out of it. They can't, you know, maybe they come into our chair yoga class with their mics on, and all's forgiven. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think that this scene is a man who is angry and sad and disgusted and wants to die. Yeah, I, and has slowly but surely cut off all of his effective support and coping mechanisms. Right, and is left with this. It's interesting because we just watched um, Shutter Island not too long ago, and I feel yep. like the ending of this episode is very similar to that. Yeah, where it's a man kind of realizing his illness and making a choice um, huh. to not live with it. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the same. I'm not sure how much yeah, insight Chuck I, I know has you, into I know himself. What you're saying, yeah. And without half, you know, but clearly to... this is intentional, right? He's sitting there kicking oh, yeah. his desk. He's looking at the lantern. He knows yeah. what he's about to do. Yeah, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he's right. sitting there like he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, there's a little bit of flowers of Algernon. There is like a, the guy has seen this side of sanity, and now he sees that he's slipping back into it. And yeah. what does he have to fight for? Like mm-hmm. he's lost. Like he, you know. I want this house to be full of music. I want all my friends and colleagues to have this big, massive party, and that's never going to happen because he's burnt all of those bridges. Yeah. He's got no friends. He has no family. His ex-wife is all skeeved out by all this. Howard's done all the – Yep. He's got no, he's got nothing left. Yeah. Um, so I he mean, decides to end it. Yeah. Like, you know, again, um, I don't think suicide's – a good option for people. I feel like that that's your, <laughs> sure. your, your brain not working right. And, and you need to, you need to get that looked into, um, tell someone and get some professional help if, if, if you're feeling that way. But, uh, you know, uh, and also I feel like it's also, it's, it's, it's a little bit of fuck check too, because I feel like in the back of his mind, some of this is I'm going to show Jimmy, Jimmy introduced this idea of what a, a terrible idea it is to have this lamp on all these things and I'm going to like mm-hmm. you know like my last interaction is this bad and now I'm going to kill myself there's a little bit of vindictiveness to it one final thought is Jimmy get, does, is there any possibility Jimmy gets in trouble for this I can't see how I mean when you look at the state of Chuck's house but but it's it, just... if, if the investigators go in there and they see all these obvious signs of arson mm-hmm. and his you know Chuck's professional therapist is saying he's made such great progress, Howard testifies that like last time I saw him he was fine with electricity, and you know we've got this brother who's angry and was rejected and was was seen by the neighbors sneaking into the house or like forcing his way in the house again that day mm-hmm. I, I i can see a little bit of how this would look really bad for jimmy it could if i were jimmy defending myself against a claim i'd probably say uh he made this call to the electric company the same day True. he canceled his appointment with his psychologist like mm-hmm. or psychiatrist i don't know which is which um Mm-hmm. But there are certainly some signs that he was cracking there at the very end. That's true. Um, and you look at the state of his house, right? Like the fire is not going to erase the holes in the walls, the, the everything being torn down. It depends on does this thing burn 
totally to the ground. I guess or... my thought my thought was that Jimmy went over there, killed his brother, and did all this to cover up the crime. Really? That's that's where okay. I, I was going with it. Yeah. The fact you get there and like, my God, the house is a wreck. There's all this shit on the lawn. There's all this burnt, and there's a guy that just set himself on fire. Like that 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 doesn't seem consistent with the story that his his trajectory that his life was going in. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I don't feel like that's what they're trying to suggest. I don't think they're going to go there. No. Um, but it's certainly an option that the writing room could take if they wanted to. I think it's probably going to be more. How does he deal with the emotional fallout of it? I think so too. Um, than some kind of like plot that he gets caught up in. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wanted to gauge your interest on this. What do you think about a year time jump? I'm I'm actually I, right I think that's point. exactly what's going to happen. You think so? I think Come we're going to deal later. with the very like like Jim and Kimmy are going to be very on the rocks. Jimmy mm-hmm. is going to be very angry and surly and and you know desperate and he's I, I don't I, and he's going to feel super guilty about his brother. The big question like, is, do they get one more season or two? Because right. they haven't yeah. been extended yet, which is an which is odd. Vince mm-hmm. Gilligan says. It's, the next season's uh, – he was in, on an interview today. Next season's a sure thing. I just don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if they're going to get one more season or two. And mm-hmm. if they get one more season, I really hope that they do like a three or four episode arc for Saul and then they finish out with post-Breaking Bad Gene. Because yeah. one of the things I want to talk about in the wrap-up podcast I'm going to try not to talk about now is I don't know how much I really want to see Saul at this point. Mm. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I need a, at least a season or two of Saul. Like, do you? Yeah. Do you? That's just not how – that doesn't fit the tone and spirit of what they're doing at the show. Like, that's what we thought we were getting, but we got was the tragedy of Jimmy McGill. Right. And, you know, even Walter White got a little bit of redemption at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy is not Walter White. So it's I true. would like to expect him to see a little bit of, of redemption at the end. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Anything else to say about this episode other than, you know, that excellent final scene? Were you So I want to probe a little bit more into your thoughts. Were you actually surprised that he burnt, that he that he died, or are you surprised he committed suicide? I'm surprised that he committed suicide. Okay, because um, I felt like everything, as soon as they, like, we, the thing was called Lantern, we kind of called that last week, and when yeah. they opened up with it, with it zooming in on the intense sunlight heat of it, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. he's going to have a relapse, and... And and at first, when it looked like he was asleep and he had this rhythmic jerk like that, I thought they were trying to suggest that that's part of the tick that he was developing. Uh, and I'm like, oh, he's going to yeah. die in his sleep. But then with his eyes, like, so I guess the only shock was that it was self-inflicted. But that's the thing where I feel silly because this is a show where they've shown someone overdosing on drugs and someone in a position to save them and not doing it. This is a show where they've shown a kid yeah. melted in acid. Like yeah, it gets dark. This show this series gets really dark and I I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. I still did not see it coming, even though I totally should have. Do you know there's a subreddit called Fuck Chuck? Is there? And it's a good read today. Because <laughs> it's it's a whole bunch of people like trying to do some um uh Rick Astley style Rick rolling with uh-huh. like oh you know it's like I, I hope we can all admit that we feel bad about and then in the body of the text it's like some com- completely opposite yeah. Yeah. or you know everyone says this episode had a dark ending but and then the body is I feel like Chuck was very bright at the end <laughs> nice and then also like, my favorite one is like Chuck got fired twice this episode uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh uh huh 
Hashtag uh, fuck the internet. But also, bravo, Michael McKean. Yeah. You really... Fantastic. You really played a Joffrey-level, hateable, punchable bastard. Mm-hmm. And hats off to you. And you did it without cross-bolting prostitutes. Yeah. Pretty impressive that I hate you that much. <laughs> and you didn't really do anything. <laughs> Bald Move is sponsored by Bald Move, as it is almost every week, and you can help out with that. They're so gracious. They you are. Know, every week they come back the, the and bald, sponsor us. The Bald Move Foundation has been with us since the beginning, really. <laughs> uh, and you can find out more about the good work these people do supporting uh, borderline homeless podcasters at club.baldmove.com. <laughs> and like NPR and PBS before, uh, you get um, – you know, we don't have any uh, tote bags we don't have any coffee mugs. Actually, that's not true. Merch.baldmove.com. <laughs> um, but, but what we do have is ad-free feeds. We got uh, bonus content like quips and uh, a Lunch with the Jim and Aaron, which is a, a general interest discussion podcast. One of the things that came out of the survey I've been bugging you about is people want to hear us talking about general. We, we do it. We do it. Yeah. And you can have it by joining the club at club.baldmove.com. All these great features, plus the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping us off the street. You're keeping us from descending into the faces of meth version of Michael McKean. Uh, and who who you'd be, I don't know, the director, the director kid, the baby JJ. The director. Oh, sure. To think yeah, of like, I'd, I'd slip into that role pretty easily. What, what your starting face and what your ending face would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is there, you, uh, would I be uh, a Spooge? Is that his name? Spooge. Would I just slip right into Spooge mode? Well, that 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 is a slide. <laughs> that is a true face of meth slide. Uh, but yeah. you, you you have the power to keep us from that fate by going to club.baldmove.com. We could use your support. Also, want to give a shout out to not an advertiser, but a a, a new content partner, TVTime.com. Uh, you can go to the App Store on iPhone or Android. Download their app, TV Time, and it's actually a really cool tool. You can sign up for all the shows that you are following, and it'll keep track of the latest information about Windows seasons debut. Mm -hmm. Um, It also plugs you into fan communities so you can see people's reactions. Um, You can also easily navigate. Like the one of the reasons they partnered with us is that we provide podcasts. So like if you like an episode of television – you can tab over to see other takes and other reactions, and our podcast is listed for the shows that we do. Um, and it's a way for us to get a little bit more traffic. But I, I kind of think the tool is cool because we used to spend a lot of time maintaining a spreadsheet of when shows are coming back yeah. and all that. And now we can just plug all this stuff in, and it'll tell us. It says, you know, Game of Thrones, 23 days, Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. 105 days away. And we get alerts when shows get scheduled and new things get released. Uh, yeah, I think this can be my new default way to keep track of all my shows. The other horrifying thing is it tells you how much time that you spend that's, watching television. Yeah, that's the one thing I didn't want it to do, <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> but I, it does it. I have. I, I started like it's already a scary total of my life, and I haven't even got like half the shows that I've <laughs> right. that I've, I've put in here. Uh, it's also probably going to be really cool for. Uh, like Baldy's time when we do the Bald Move Awards, like yeah. that's something else we keep a spreadsheet of like our our thoughts and opinions on that stuff. Well, now uh, it all tracks it. So if you're a big fan of TV, I think it's worth checking out uh, mm-hmm. because you can get uh, a lot of extra um, meta information about your television and kind of keep your schedule straight and and see what stuff is looking forward to. And it's also a great way to discover mm-hmm. new stuff because like I find myself. Just being surprised by trailers on Netflix um, and just, you know, happenstance by seeing commercials or, you know, going to uh, having Maria Munoz tell me what's coming out next at the movie theater. Yeah. Well, now TV Time is going to scoop them all because they got yeah. all that stuff collected in one place um, and a great way to discover new stuff. So check it out. TVTime.com or in the App Store, search for TV Time. 
I think you'll like it. And it's got bald move stuff on it. What more can you say? All right. What about feedback? We have a lot. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of feedback. Twice as much as normal amount. Uh, better cast all at baldmove.com if you want to send in. Because we are having a wrap-up podcast next week this time. We're going to come back to put a bow on the season, see how we uh, – maybe, maybe our opinions will change over the season as, as a whole as we read more stuff about it and get other opinions. And, and what I'm really wanting to see is what – how we feel about the next few seasons. How many seasons we want, how much uh, – Better Call Saul do we want? Uh, what what are we hoping to see? Mm-hmm. And um, also kind of like if, if you also got like a, if, if you think that I'm full of shit about being – I don't think I'm being excessively down on this season. Um, but if you think – if you want to call bullshit on that, like I'm, I'm definitely open to being talked out of some of these, you know, things I'm calling bullshit on. Because mm-hmm. I don't go into, you know, wanting to have problems with the show. So let's get on with it. Uh, Better Cast Saul, baldmove.com. Josh M., uh, we got a a medical corner up front. Oh, boy. I just thought I needed to chime in regards to your nitroglycerin question since I am a pharmacist. Nitroglycerin comes in a sublingual tablet and an oral capsule. Sublingual, of course, means under the tongue. The oral capsules are extended release and have been discontinued from the market, so they have been pointless for acute angina or chest pain. The nitroglycerin is taken under the tongue when having chest pain because it's readily absorbed through the mucosal lining of the mouth. If it was swallowed, it would be quickly metabolized by stomach enzymes and be virtually ineffective. Nitroglycerin is primarily used for chest pain, but also helps secondarily with vasodilation of the arteries and veins, which can be extremely beneficial when having a heart attack. The ibuprofen is put in the capsule as an anti-inflammatory, which does have some aspirin-like properties in regards to thinning the blood, which could possibly be beneficial during a heart attack, but nothing compared to nitroglycerin. I found it humorous if they went this route in presenting nitroglycerin, but it doesn't take away from the riveting scenes between Nacho and Don Hector. I think you should have put laxatives in the pills <laughs> just to make it extra <laughs> an extra funny death. It's just full of, like, Visine or something. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> oh, man, that would be hilarious. <laughs> so I now want to so, – so Gunner, who is a medical student, uh, he talked about all that, too. And in fact, we had, like, Barry, our, our old pal Barry, uh, Barry Carter chime in. We had a bunch of doctors that said the same Barry thing. Barry Goodman. Um, Who's this Barry Carter you're talking about? Barry Goodman, sorry. Yeah. Dr. Carter, whatever. I've got – he's Jay-Z. He's, happy. he's actually Jay-Z. <laughs> just, just blew his cover wide open. Uh, Gunner, a medical student, says, I'm trying to figure out is how he ends up in his wheelchair, which seems to imply that he has a stroke or some other form of neurological damage. A heart attack wouldn't give him the symptoms he shows in Breaking Bad's timeline, so either – one, someone else gives him the extreme disability. Two, heart attack leads to an arrhythmia, which allows a clot to form, which is then thrown to his brain, causing a stroke. Three, the Villa gang doesn't know the difference, and for <laughs> storytelling purposes, yeah. it probably doesn't matter. Or four, maybe there's a perfectly good medical link between the heart attack and someone displaying Uncle Tio's extreme level disability, and I just need to study more. I think it's a little bit of two with a lot of three. Mm-hmm. Because one thing, if you've watched a Mythbusters episode that deals with Breaking Bad, you will find out that Vince Gilligan is not quite uh, dots his I's and crosses his T's when it comes to the chemistry on display that Walter, like all the way from how acid can dissolve a body to form- formulate, uh, was it formulated mercury? Mercury? Uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that, that, that. He blows up to fulminate, fulminated mercury. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really work, or if it does work, it's not nearly as impressive or quick as it's shown in the sh- and yeah, and it doesn't matter because it's a cool idea and it sounds kind of right. Uh-huh. So I feel like they they kind of lean on the rule of cool, and I'm not gonna like 
I, I, the many criticisms I had of this season, uh, this whole nitro, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Because I didn't know about the sublingual and I didn't know about the capsules and extended. I just know that sometimes when people have a heart attack, they take some medicine and it helps out. Right. And, and they take the same view on the law too, right? Right. Even though the this law, is yeah. at its core about the law. Sure. They don't care Like that if we much. were covering ER, we'd probably have a medical corner every week where the doctors yeah. bitch and moan about how bad they, they, they do. Uh, so... I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I don't expect Vince to be an expert. Like I, I, I do think they should sweat the details wherever they can, but that's not a problem for me. I mm-hmm. understand if it's a problem, especially if you're a medical professional, or if like a man. It seems like if you really had a bad time if you're a chemist watching the original Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's our medical corner. Uh, Brian F. The answer is always the good stuff. I'm calling it right now. Kim becomes Wendy. <laughs> All right. That yeah. is the hottest of takes because if you squint, you can almost see like a faces of meth progression. Yeah. Gets yeah. a little bit busted up in the accident. She gets addicted to, uh, you know, Pain Vicodin. Yep. And then she turns on the meth and that gets expensive because her and Jimmy <laughs> lose their legal profession. Like, yeah, I can almost see, <laughs> almost see that kind of face of meth progression. Yeah. Very. Oh, man. What if? What if? I think somebody should make a. A faked gif of like the morph from Kim to Wendy. Well, I know you haven't seen it yet, but this season of House of Cards, they they play. They have this app where they take like France that that you can take two images and kind of blend them together, and they do that with Francis and and Claire, and they do it with hilariously Claire and Petrov, which is the Putin stand-in. <laughs> wow! It, I bet I bet you could put in. Um, you know Ray Seahorn, and then whoever the 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 lady that played Wendy, and slide that back, and, and I bet it tracks pretty good. Probably, if you guys want, someone wants to do that for me, <laughs> uh, I will certainly post it on the show notes next week. I might even do it myself. Uh, we're, we're our schedule's clearing out a little bit next week, so. Uh, Stee B, which I might be mispronouncing. I tried to get clarification on that before we, re- uh, but it's S T E. I don't know how sweet. Hmm. It's Sweet B. Yep. Uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure Jimmy must have read To Kill a Mockingbird at some stage because even if he doesn't really identify with Atticus Finch, the book is where he got his accidental microphone idea from. In the book, Scout is huh. eavesdropping on Atticus' conversation with a friend about the situation with Tom in the upcoming trial. Atticus knows she's listening, but Scout doesn't know that he knows. So when Atticus says something along the lines of, I sure hope Scout doesn't do anything silly and listens to her old man when things get rough... He knows it will have more of an impact on her, and she's more likely to take that advice. In the book, an older version of Scout reminisces about the conversation in the first person and is full of respect for Atticus's wisdom in using this message, uh, method. I thought it was an amazing touch by the Villa gang, and I'm sure it will have not gone unnoticed, but I'm 100% sure it's the angle they were going for, and for me, is the reason why I absolutely love Better Call Saul. For me, it surpassed Breaking Bad now for its genius. <laughs> that is bold claim. Perhaps too high praise. Yeah, I, I would say. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that Saul has ever read it, but I can tell you who has read it, the writers of this show. Yes. Yeah. And and even if he backed into that, like, that's more of a chuck. Like, that still kind of makes sense. And also, yeah. that is, like, did you read To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. How did you get out of... I was homeschooled in high school, so oh, that's right. I didn't do a lot of the typical. That's, that's one of the books stuff. where they really, they really that and like Tale of Two Cities, right? And, you know, Scarlet Letter, The Crucible. Like, they, there's a couple of Americana books that they really cram down in one's throat. <laughs> yeah, so I've heard. So um, that's one of the ones I actually liked. I really liked mm. to, to to Kill a Mockingbird. Um, 
Another thing I'd like to talk about on the wrap-up podcast is compare and contrast Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul in their seasons three. Because I don't think they unfavorably compare. That was the, I mean, the season three in Breaking Bad was the rise of, of Gus. Was the ri- you know? yeah. The, like, the, the introduction of Gus, should I say. Yeah. Um, well, and the rise of Walt in Gus's empire. It was the Gus turning from be- benevolent benefactor to malevolent archvillain. Yeah. Yeah, um, because he had this menace of and, Walter and, White. And, and the thing is, like, man, if you compare Chuck setting himself on fire to Jesse blowing away uh, Gil, not that Gil. Uh, uh, Gail. Gail. Yeah. I don't know. I know which one had me more on pins and needles. So, okay. I, yeah, it's it's. I, yeah. I feel like it's a bold claim, but defensible. And mm-hmm. I'd like to see some people make make an attempt. Uh, Mike from Louisiana. Chuck's link to sanity was tenuous at best this season. He put himself together to battle Jimmy and later in the season to get back to his normal partnership duties at the firm. When Howard outsmarted Chuck and bought him out, that removed all of his motivation to recover. Call me a cynical bastard, but do you think Howard's bet on Chuck Ill- Howard bet on Chuck's illness and bought him off for cheap? Think about it. I'm assuming Chuck no longer has support from the firm because he was bought out and he's estranged from Jimmy. Howard knew the situation... I'm thinking he suspected that Chuck would relapse and no one would be there to buy the groceries and perform the normal errands. $3 million is a lot of money, but I think he calculated it would be the one and only payment and Chuck would eventually die or be committed. Uh, I hope I never crossed this listener because (laughs) that thought had not even gone through my head that Howard would have intentionally driven Chuck mad, hoping that he would off himself before cashing the check. Like that sounds awfully close to you calling him a cynical bastard. (laughs) <laughs> me? Yeah. He said, call me a cynical bastard. So he he, he invited you to do so. I mean, yeah. you're not out of line. I'd say you're a cynical bastard. That's, <laughs> that's horrific. No, I hadn't even thought about that. And I don't think that was Howard's intention. I mean, you're certainly cynical. I don't know if you know your own father. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's your own business. Fair. Um, I, I, I think that Howard genuinely loved and respected Chuck, and this was very painful yeah. for him to do all around. It seemed like it. Um, and I also don't know legally that they are off the hook from paying him because I feel like that he's got an estate mm-hmm. and that's one of the other open questions. What becomes of Chuck's estate? Who inherits the money? That's a fine question. And part of it is if he's got this partnership agreement and they're got this payment plan, like I think that, you know, fuck, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney, let alone a probate attorney. Um, but I feel like that they would be on the hook to pay somebody that. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you look at any company really, and they have contingency plans for when, you know, inevitably something bad happens to either a founder or a board member or whatever. Those those are all written into the contract, right? Right. And, and the idea that they would have this... I mean, even our shitty two-bit operation has yeah. procedures for if one of us to die, what happens and who can do it and who gets first dibs and all that. Right. And, and if they have in place a payment plan uh-huh. to oust one of the, the partners, the majority stakeholder, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly, or... Yeah, that's up up for debate. But if they have this plan in place, oh, three payments of X amount of dollars, right. like they've got in place a plan for when Chuck expires. Agreed. Now I don't know what the plan is. Maybe they do have to pay some large sum of money to his estate, but right. clearly Howard is prepared to do that. So yeah, really, really puts dead money into perspective, though. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Smith, I'll try to make this short and sweet. While I don't know if I exactly have low standards, when I do find a show I like, it's usually pretty hard for me to be disappointed. 
Season 5 of The Wire is fine. I like the ending of Lost, even as admittedly flawed. And I love The Leftovers, even if, if the finale left me wanting more supernatural and less of a simple love story. Hmm. With that in mind, I'm reading a lot of effusive praise of this season finale of Better Call Saul. And to me, it was good as an episode, but underwhelming as a season capstone. Several episodes of the pill drama, and wait for it, wait for it, everything happens with Hector in a completely predictable way. Oh, not even a completely predictable way, but the completely predictable way. And if you two or I or a random viewer who has aware of the title of this episode in advance was asked what would happen in finale, Chuck knocks over a lantern and burns down the house would have come up very frequently. Yes, the suicide angle was interesting, but otherwise it was another one of those examples of everything parsing out exactly how you think. Um, I want to stop there and say that I think part of this is because this is very anti-Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is all about Walt coming up with a meticulous plan Half the time it would go off correctly, but then get him in worse trouble. Yeah. The other time it would just completely be botched and get him in more trouble. Mm-hmm. It was very it was very rare to see a plan just entirely execute and everything be fine. That was more of a late late stage thing where they're ra- winding up Walt's storyline. So I kind of feel like Vince has trained us to see things not going smoothly and looking for other angles. And this was a pretty predictable, they've set this up all season long and it actually unfolded how we thought it was going to unfold. Mm-hmm. You know, like Walt doesn't blow up Gus in the car. He has to mm-hmm. do the whole thing with the bell and Hector and all that stuff. And Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have more to say about that in the wrap up. The other thing I, I want to about it. I forgot to mention this, is that did you notice the bell on uh, Poppy's service counter uh-uh. that was like that was conspicuously in focus when he was talking to Hector? Did Hector pocket it on his way out? <laughs> and it was a fancy red one. Oh, it was it? It wasn't okay. like the, 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 the one eventually, Gold, but it, yeah. that was a little bit of um, a foreshadow. Nice. Um, Lucas, Lucas continues, I can appreciate a slow burn. I can even sort of appreciate the gratuitous shots of Mike doing something technical for several minutes. I can appreciate that Jimmy has developed a lot of character, even if it seems that at the end of this episode, he's not that much further along than he was at the end of season one finale. Um, but shit, at least give me a little meat with my pudding when it comes time to wrap things up. Don't do ev- have everything play out nearly as exactly as you expected over a month ago. Um, so there you go. Um... That was that was one kind of slightly you know disappointed take. Um, Reginald, I'm done. I'm going to accept Jimmy for the dangerous person he is and not worry about his motivation. I am no longer going to personally invest in his character. Many on Jimmy's side will point to this week's episode and say, "How can you turn against Jimmy? Look how hard he is trying to make amends to everyone. Look how he apologized sort of to Chuck. Look how he totally exposes his machinations to Irene and her friends. Look at how well he takes care of Kim. Whatever, I don't care." A point could be made that he feels genuine contrition over this past deeds, but it's also just as compelling an argument that Jimmy just likes to be the ultimate puppet master. I can manipulate the emotions and actions of all those around me at any time to satisfy my own desires. I don't care which it is anymore. There's a part of me, 10 to 20%, that doesn't even want to watch next season. Like Howard said last week and Chuck reiterated in different, different words this week, Jimmy, just be honest about who you are and what and, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this goes all the way back to, what, early season two with mm-hmm. Jimmy in the pool after um, getting, you know, mixed up in the Sandpiper case um, and, and yeah. getting 20% of that. He he kind of did have a moment where he was like, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. I'm the con man. I'm the guy who's going to be out having fun. I'm not the straight-laced, 
straight and narrow kind of guy. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of do, you know, think he, he should lean into that, and I think eventually he does, because sure. we see Saul is very much that guy. And that gets him in trouble, too. It does, yeah. Um, but at least he's being, you know, honest with himself. To Reginald's point, I don't think that turning against Jimmy is the end of the world, because everyone... Mm-hmm. Well, not everyone. There's a few uh, ride-or-die Walt fans at the end. But almost everyone turned against Walter White and switched allegiances to Jesse or Mike or something along the run of Breaking Bad, and it was still fascinating to the end. At least I thought so. Um, So I think you can turn against Jimmy as a character and rooting for him to be good and just, you know, with and and I I don't know, like 10 to 20% not wanting to watch. That's I feel like it's an emotional reaction, something that Vince Gilligan wouldn't even, like, be surprised at. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I feel like everybody's going to come back, though. Yeah. I Just mean, like I, everyone I came back will. after you turned against. Now, the only difference is I don't know who the protagonist is going forward. Because we always it had Jesse like there. Him. We I always mean, had Walt's family. We always had Hank. We had, there's a lot of different things that we could switch allegiances to. I do you, do you, I don't feel that way about Kim. I, I think it's Kim and Mike, honestly. Um, like, I, I wish... Kim wasn't, I guess, under this the influence or the spell of Jimmy as much as she is or seems to be. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, regardless of what you think about Kim, there's always Mike, right? Uh-huh. Mike is sort of the hero of his own story, <laughs> in as much as anybody is in this. But there's he's universe. so unconnected. So the thing, I guess, the thing that the the Walter had going for is like all these people were intimately connected to him. Yeah. Like Jesse, his family, Hank, which is also his family, uh, they were all connected to him in a very real, real way. Jimmy, like Kim, Kim would be better off if she just left and cut, or if he goes the break. Like she's not putting herself in danger. Doesn't feel like. I thought that's kind of where they would eventually develop the storyline. Maybe they will. Mike f- barely feels connected to Jimmy. Yeah. So like, yeah, you can switch protagonist, but that's. That's weird that the that that Jimmy will not be the antagonist, right? He, it's his fucking show. Yeah, it's interesting. And he's no I... longer the person we're rooting for. No, or nor the arch villain. That's a yeah. weird position to be in. To- totally, it is. Um, I, I'm I'm going to give you that for sure. I think it's almost weird that you have like a protagonist in aggregate here between all of the other characters, yeah. uh-huh. like. I'm sort of rooting for all of these characters: Kim, Mike, uh-huh. Nacho, Gus. Yeah. Uh, Nacho's dad, uh-huh. like Francesca. I'm I'm rooting for all these side characters. There's a lot of core point. decent people, yeah, orbiting loosely around Jimmy, right? And that's enough, I guess, to keep me engaged and and sort of adds up to one main protagonist for me. Yeah. The other thing that that united about Walter is that they all all the protagonists wanted one thing. They all wanted to see Walt taken down. Yeah. Mike doesn't want to see Jimmy taken down. Kim doesn't no. want to see Jimmy taken down. Francesca doesn't like. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting construction, and I, maybe part of it is you know pace. Uh, what uh, Reginald's saying here, we need to get over the fact once and for all that this is not Breaking Bad. This oh, is sure. its own own yeah. thing, and and some of the patterns that we those aren't Vince Gilligan isms. Those were Breaking Bad isms, and this is yeah. a different show. And this is fundamentally two stories, right? This is the story of Jimmy and Kim in the law field. This is the story of Mike and Gus in the criminal field. And and to a smaller extent, Nacho, I think. Yeah, and ultimately I wonder if if it's an argument that this didn't necessarily work. 
Like, like if we get four or five seasons down the line, we may like, hey, this was entertaining and the performances are great and everyone gave a shit and it was very beautiful to look at, mm-hmm. but it just didn't catch fire like Breaking Bad did. And that's yeah. okay. Maybe the structure of it just didn't lend yeah. itself to yeah. to the heights of Breaking Bad. Yeah. And, and I think that's okay. Okay. Uh, because like I certainly can't see myself thinking that I've wasted my time watching this because oh, no. it's been there's been some amazing stuff and I felt genuine the last two especially episodes have really wrung some genuine emotion out of me so mm-hmm. it's always good. Uh, Taming Texas. Oh, she reminded me. I was about to forget. Did y'all catch the bright red bell on the counter at Nacho's dad's shop? I wanted Hector to ring it so bad. <laughs> Um, she also said, I'm confused about what Nacho was trying to do. Was he trying to kill Hector and leave or kill him and then tell the other guy I found him like that? Yeah, no, it's stupid. Seems like he was playing a little fast and loose with someone who's usually pretty careful. I just don't think about it because it doesn't make any sense. I, I think it's just he was desperate. Now, I will go completely along with my co-counsel here on the rest <laughs> of his legal argument against that scene. Um, right. But I feel like they already told the story of him being super desperate. Sure, yeah. Uh, Josh F., are we to believe that Chuck lives in New Mexico and doesn't have an air conditioner or even electric fans? Perhaps I answered this in past episodes, but it never occurred to me to question it until I saw Chuck ripping his home apart to find the electrical source. As someone who lives in the southeast where older people without air conditioning literally die during the summer, I find it difficult to believe. You know, what? well, I mean, it's I've since taken it out into a house that uh, I will describe as being poorly insulated. And it's been kind of hot in some nights. Uh, We're trying to find a setup that works best for us. That's the thing I was thinking of. This guy who lives in New Mexico Mm -hmm. and it's in March, so it can be kind of cool and it's dry. Mm -hmm. When it gets like 120 degrees, I don't care how dry that heat is. What the hell does Chuck do? Does he sleep outside? No. He strips naked. He just sleeps naked? Yeah. And it, maybe that's where the, all the ice, it wasn't the coolest bacon. It was the coolest ham hocks. It was. He sits he in just, a tub of ice. Yeah, Jimmy had to bring 200 pounds of ice that Chuck would meticulously pour in his bathtub, and he'd sleep in that. I, I guess my question is, what do you mean he doesn't have AC? Is there something that indicates if you, this if man you, has no that AC? That man had no AC in the heights of his power delusion. There's no oh, way. Oh, certainly. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. And, and okay. that, that it, when he sh- yeah, he's sitting there. I mean, it could, being warm is the least of this man's inconveniences, <laughs> right? He's he's covering himself in space blankets, lining the walls, tearing that, them down. That's like, also not going to help with swamp ass. Little space true. blankets, man. That's totally true. But come on. He's got bigger problems to worry about than being a little sweaty. There you go, Josh F. <laughs> he's just a little sweaty. He'll be okay. <laughs> Uh, Jason Lee, I feel like this show glosses over some crucial details, leading us to make assumptions or guesses. In particular, is why Kim shows such affection to Jimmy, despite her being aware of what's going on at the Golden Girls. A hot topic of the podcast already, I'm sure. You mm-hmm. are correct. And I will say that you say such affection, I take, I, I disagree with that analysis. I feel like this is, yeah. a, these are people who, uh, it's kind of like you want to break up with your girlfriend and it's mid-October. Mm-hmm. And you got Thanksgiving and Christmas staring down the barrel and you're not even ready to go there. And like who breaks like it's it's kind of that's how like there's so much shit going on with both of them that they're just trying to go through the motions and not make anything worse. Does I would like sense? I would liken it to the air conditionless Chuck. <laughs> they're uh, just sweaty. They're hot. They'll be fine. They're hot and cold. Throw right? a space blanket over them. Yeah. I, I, this is clearly a couple who's hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Like they they go through moments where they have intense feelings for other uh, for each other. They go through moments where they don't. Yeah, and I think you know that's 
just going to look like this. He wants us to ana- analyze which of these four situations we think is the explanation for her uh, behavior. One, Jimmy didn't tell Kim the whole story of how he got Irene to agree to settle, leaving out details here and there to make him look acceptable. Possible. I think that's entirely possible. Two, Kim accepts Jimmy's monstrous actions because he's there for her in the low and scary point in her life. Also possible. Also she possible. knew about the stuff with Chuck. She knew about that. Like, like it, se- it also seems she's seeming like, you know what? My way is pretty effed up, and I almost killed people. Jimmy uh-huh. hurt people's feelings. Uh-huh. Who am I to judge? Like, every once in a while, I'll have a situation yeah. where, like, I'll be super judgy about somebody, and then I'll hit a low point in my life, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe they got the right idea. Maybe <laughs> maybe this is crazy. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, three, Kim's moral barometer is calibrated way differently than ours, which mm, I don't think I that did, no. I, that's not inconsistent with their character. Uh, four, Kim doesn't care because she's taking the good stuff and is becoming addicted to painkillers and will soon have her Movantic moment. Also possible. Also possible. Yeah. So I think I think blends of one, two, and four plus a little dash oh, of Aaron's Christ. five. If she comes back a year from now on Movantic, I'm going to shit myself. So will she. <laughs> uh, she will shit a you. Yep. Um, either way, this leads us to the ultimate question. What will be the wedge that separates Kim and Jimmy? That... Or will Kim still be with Jimmy Saul throughout the BCS and Breaking Bad timelines, making Jim and Saul's abrupt uh, Jimmy Saul's abrupt change to Gene and abandonment of Kim all the more tragic? Nah. Hey, if, so. if Mike can abandon Kaylee, no problem. Uh, Jimmy and Saul can take off and abandon Kimmy for sure. Um, yeah. I think that's a good question for the wrap up podcast. Okay. What pushes? What is the wedge? Because I I feel like they backtrack so hard on that that. I thought it was going to be her discovering this shit with the elderly people. Yeah. But clearly that's not going to be it. Nope. Uh, I, I, I like the Wendy. I really like the Wendy theory. <laughs> that is that that would be hats off. Had Bravo, Vince. Well, I just spelled a part with three Ps. This is a long podcast. <laughs> yep. Uh, Eliza V. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the pacing of the evolution of Saul. I felt like Jimmy was closer to becoming Saul we know and love for Breaking Bad at the end of season one than when he ruses or when he ruses the decision to return to cash and peels out of the parking lot humming smoke on the water. I wonder if the Villa gang has grown too fond of kind-hearted Jimmy to really commit and turn him into Saul. That's not a bad that's not a bad question. Cause that 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 kind of got you pumped for Saul. Yeah. The last two finales have not gotten us pumped for Saul. Hmm. They're going the other the opposite way. Um. Then okay, I'll entertain this last paragraph. Uh, I was also listening to one of your old Breaking Bad podcasts, season three or four. I can't recall which. At one point, while Breaking Bad was airing, Aaron made the comment, paraphrasing that he perceived Saul's shtick as an act. If you remember your thought process from a few years back, could you elaborate? Um, Christ, I, that was a long time ago. When I say shtick, I think it means that I don't feel. And now I feel like this is this is ultimately right. Like I don't feel like there. Oh, shoot, how am I gonna explain this? When he's given Walt this whole talk about how he's actually a McGill, but he rolls the Saul Goodman because the people he represent likes a brother from the tribe. I don't feel like that's the way Jimmy McGill talks. I feel like that's Jimmy McGill working a scam, mm-hmm. working an angle. He's he's thinking what this person like like I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. You're not like those low life idiots. I'm gonna you know I'm I'm going to level with you, and you're gonna be. I can perceive that you're more perceptive and not that racist and 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 bloody minded. 
Um, that's what I mean. Like, and, and there was also very little sound legal guidance. It all felt like it was all car wash scams and scamming parents out of houses of drug, drug pretenses and a little bit of going and bracing cops in, in the box, you know, and saying you can't talk to my – and swinging your dick around. But that too felt more like a ballsy thing than a legal approach. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I meant by shtick. And I feel like watching Better Call Saul, I fully, I fully appreciate the fact that I don't think we ever heard Jimmy McGill speak in, in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Except for maybe when he was on his knees in the desert. Uh-huh. Uh, it's all been, been this Saul persona, and you never saw him behind, behind the, the shtick. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, we got a legal corner. Okay. Doug L., uh, first question, who inherits Chuck's estate? From what we've seen, Jimmy appears to be Chuck's closest living relative. If Chuck dies without a valid will, everything would almost certainly pass to him. But, of course, Chuck is not the kind of person who would die into state. This raises two questions. Who is the executor of the estate and who actually receives what? Getting the state of their relationship, it's possible Chuck cut Jimmy out of the will or trust, thus maybe setting up something for next season where Jimmy has to mount some fight to try and get what would be surely a sizable inheritance. There's also a question about insurance benefits, both for the fire damage and possible life insurance for Chuck. Chuck's the kind of person who would possess both kinds of insurance, and indeed HH and M might even have some sort of insurance on him. There could be issues lurking there as well. Without knowing more, it's difficult to speculate. Um, I talked about how I can't see Jimmy ever getting his hands on millions of dollars, and sure enough, this episode, they kind of redid that whole plot line. I don't see him getting a big windfall. Why wouldn't this Mm -hmm. go to his wife? I feel like Chuck would leave everything to her. Um, yeah, I mean it's a good question. Like, who does this go to? And I, I seriously doubt it's Jimmy. Um, and I know he has a plan for it. I just Rebecca giving I it don't to Rebecca know. would be tidy because it it gets it out of the ecosystem. The money mm-hmm. just goes away, and right. and there's a there's a solid answer for it. Who got it? What impact does it have on a story? Nothing. Yeah. It's a great way to take all these logical questions and just dismiss them. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You don't have to worry about traveling Europe and Asia. And you're, you, you're fully funded now. Hmm. Uh, assuming Jimmy inherits something, what can he get? Aside from the obvious money, property, there's other potential complications. The biggest question mark being the payout from HH&M. Chuck never likely cashed a check from Howard, and it's unclear how much of the payout agreement was formalized, especially with Howard paying Chuck out of his own pocket. While Chuck's retirement was very public, what happened behind closed doors was not. Howard likely would not want to make that large payout, especially knowing that Jimmy would likely be the beneficiary. That's a good point. The fact that like all this is not even a handshake deal. It's it's all done under the table. Like, Couldn't Howard just say he decided to retire? We all saw it. He walked out of the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I mean, there's going to be something to pay. Yeah, they still Um, there is there is something in the clause of the partnership agreement that would probably outline all this. Yeah, I mean, it's either it's going to be something like, oh, he has the right of first refusal to buy his stake out of the company. Yeah. Um, If he if the board chooses not to, or anyone on the board, whatever, or doesn't have to be three payments, it can be structured differently because it's an unexpected death. Yeah, yeah, there could be all sorts of contingencies, and if not, I mean, I guess it would just roll into. I mean, that's that's the 
That's something I'm looking into. Buying insurance for your ass. Oh god. Uh, that oh, way no. I can buy if you die, I can buy your share of the company that this going has into got debt. to be illegal. This has to be illegal. Well, Doug, <laughs> right in on the at the end of the at the end of because it's it's uh, um but you know what I'm saying like a lot of people do that. So like this could be Yes, he owes the money, but there's an insurance policy on Chuck that he cashes to cover the fee that he has to do to buy out the estate. Right. That would be super tidy for Chuck or for mm-hmm. Howard. Yeah. Honestly, I see. So a lot of people are going to say, oh, but he killed himself. How could he possibly cash an insurance uh, claim? That So he's probably had an insurance policy, a life yeah. insurance policy for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and most of those have clauses that say, okay, if it's suicide within like six months of or like mine initiating the policy. I've got two separate life insurance policies. They were all a two-year period. Okay, yeah. So, so I could literally years. blow my brains out on the air saying that I'm committing insurance fraud just so my my, yeah. my wife and son will have money and they still and have they to still pay it out. It, yeah. Because I, ha- yeah, I, I took those policies out years ago. Right. Uh, question arson. This is one more of a long shot, but there's a chance the police could wrongly conclude that Jimmy had something to do with the fire. This is the Aaron. It's the least interesting angle for me. Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong because okay. when you, when, when you said that, that kind of like you, I, I, I immediately realized the truth of it <laughs> because <laughs> okay. it just further entangles Jimmy who needs more entanglements and puts him in real legal jeopardy, which he can't be under if he rolls with his law degree. Right. Um, so he goes all the things I talk about the the public in, uh, animosity, the fact he's the last person to see him alive. Um, to the outside world, he'd conquered his illnesses using electricity again. So I thought we did a pretty good job talking about that. Um, I don't think it's a great engine as uh as as Doug puts out for the next season, but it's a possibility. It's something the writers could play with if they I'm wanted sure. to. Yeah, um, it could also be a false drama that they use to kind of yeah. keep Jimmy moving forward with some little drama why Mike is developing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Sandpiper, the show leads us to believe that Jimmy's yoga session conference, confession put the old folks back where they were in terms of wanting to, say to settle for the Sandpiper case. The case still, of course, lingers on. The show could still settle at any time to give Jimmy a boost or use it as a vehicle to create more problems for him. I've seen this, some discussions online to suggest that Jimmy cannot receive his share of the settlement based on his actions, but that's not the case. While he may be perceived as a bad person, his share of the settlement is contractually obligated based on his work on putting the case together and getting it to Davis and Maine. Yeah. That unlikely cannot be done. I mean, even if he gets disbarred, right? Well, so I actually – because I wanted to really cover all my bases because I was kind of wondering that myself. And I said, Doug, do you find it persuasive that the old ladies themselves can force Jimmy off? Like is there not a no-confidence thing a client can file to fire counsel? And he says whether they could do that would depend on the terms of the agreement, but my guess is no. Jimmy earned that share by the hard work he put in earlier. Later bad acts do not wipe away his later his right to compensation. Um, it's also the product of an agreement between uh, Jimmy and Davis and Maine. The old ladies yeah. are not parties to that agreement, so they would not have standing to interfere with the arrangement. And I said, what could or could it what he did be construed as practicing law by giving advice to his former clients or somehow tampering? Doug says, "Why it's a gray issue. He doesn't actually give them any legal advice. He's careful to say things like follow your heart, which would not count. He's obviously mm-hmm. manipulating them. That's not giving legal advice per se, but I could certainly see the bar not looking kindly upon it, especially since he's already on thin ice. Mm-hmm. However, I mean – it that still doesn't your, affect his agreement with Davis and May. And that goes back to your point, too, which is he's already – we know he doesn't get disbarred 
because he's still yeah. practicing law. Unless he's just brazenly practicing law without a license. Which you would get shut down immediately, I would think, with commercials on the air. and Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's it. Better, better okay. cast off baldmove.com. Um, did you think it was funny when he said, we'll get a better wall, that the most recognizable landmark of, of Saul Goodman, aside from the Statue of Liberty, is uh-huh. his giant columnar wall of constitution he definitely has a better wall is that a better wall i think so yeah <laughs> in, in saul's ways, world wall. well yeah but saul's that, that's a better saul wall <laughs> for sure <laughs> god you're going to hell for that <laughs> um all right better cast saul if you'd like to send in better cast saul better cast saul at baldmove.com if you'd like to send us uh, feedback for next week's um next week's uh just wrap season up. wrap yeah. up how are we feeling i feel like a lot of people are um there's a lot of passionate fans i count myself as one of them but some of us are um i don't know it breaking bad felt like it built it always built a bigger head of steam yeah and i'm saying that like yeah maybe we need to step back and say this is not breaking bad but i guess i kind of expected and you know Chuck committing suicide is that's a pretty good head of steam. It's a big vent. You could boil you you could boil a big pot of water and make a lot of steam from the fire he set. Yep. But it does feel I feel like for me, like it was a slight step back in terms of overall cohesiveness and fluidity this season. Hmm. And I would like to see people argue otherwise because I, I'm very open to be persuaded. Any last thoughts before we say goodbye until the wrap up podcast? Nope. I think that's it. All right, we'll see you next week. Um, you can find all the stuff we do at baldmove.com. Follow us on social media at facebook.com slash baldmove, at baldmove on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.